Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talking About Balls. I am Justin George, joined as always by Kyle Price. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. Working on my mic volume right there, and I think I made it way too low. Let's try that and see how that goes. Fuck it. Uh, special guest today, in honor of his recent announcement of early retirement from the wrestling industry, the biz. He's breaking kayfabe. Yes, I know the lingo. He's on the show today. He is... Am I allowed to call you by both names, or do you only yeah, have one? Yeah, you can call me by both. That's All perfectly right. okay. So we have Daniel C. Rockingham, a.k.a. Daniel Romer. That's that's how I met him first, before he turned into a doctor and got his degree. Um, he's here. He is done with the wrestling business. He's going to join us on today's episode. We are going to talk a little Browns. We're going to talk a little free agency, uh, NBA, MLB, and of course, wrestling. So let's get right into it. Uh, anything new first off by you guys? I mean, let's just get into, let's go personal lives. Anything? Personal lives. Why not? Uh, no. Keep the people informed. I want I, the people to know who we are and what's going on. For me, literally nothing's new other than the fact that I think this is the first time in three episodes we've recorded in person. I think yeah, because we got, we got really comfortable with that stereo app, or, which, I mean, is, it's which is nice. It's, it's great. Fun. It's very convenient, very easy. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, we are on an app called Stereo, which we will record every once in a while. Uh, download it, look for us, Justin George, Kyle Price, we're on there. Our last, I think our last episode was, I mean, we, I think the stats were like 92 people listened in and 72 people interacted and we had a lot of I think we only had three people send us porn noises, so that's not bad, that's pretty good numbers, I'll take that. For Saturday night, I expected more. moans and screens, streams, but it was worth it. But yeah, other than that, though, nothing, just doing a lot of renovation to the old house, um, and working way too much for way too long. Romer or Rockingham doctor what do you what do you prefer <laughs> I, you can call me whatever you guys always if I ever get called Dan everyone yells at me so well because the other Dan's not here so I can call you Dan when he's not around it's when you two are it's like it's like Highlander there can only be one so there, when there you can be only when one. you two are together there's only one Dan because it gets too confusing anytime I bring a girl around all of a sudden it's like no he's not Dan he's Romer yeah you're Romer used to it. she she needs to call you Romer when she's around <laughs> us all right so uh yeah, we'll get into the kind of boring stuff first. Major League Baseball getting ready to start up soon. Um, we've talked about it a million times on here. Uh, as a Cleveland-based show, as Cleveland Indians fans, I'm expecting a very, very mediocre, boring season. I don't even think we talked about it since since it happened. The, the Indians signed left fielder Eddie Rosario from the Minnesota Twins, who was actually eligible for arbitration. Pretty good left fielder, pretty good hitter. Uh, he was due to make about $10 million in arbitration with the Twins. They opted to not do that, so they let him walk. And the, uh, Excuse me, there's my first burp of the episode. The uh, The Indians were able to get him for about $7 mil, uh, which isn't a bad deal, but, I mean, that's not enough to put you over the hump. And you're not going to be competing with Chicago, or you're not going to be competing with Minnesota, for that matter. So, a nice signing, but for me, one year too late. We could have used a nice corner outfielder last year, so it just makes me hate the Dolans a little bit more. Uh, one thing we also haven't talked about on the show, which I think we might as well get into also, now that I think about it, Mickey Calloway. We haven't talked about the Mickey Calloway fiasco in, in Cleveland. Allegedly. That, that, Alleged. that, that's a great word to use, fiasco. Oh, I love that word. It's a great word. Um, so those of you that don't know, if you've been living under a rock or if you're not a big baseball fan in general, Mickey Calloway was the Cleveland Indians pitching coach back when they were a good team and making playoff and World Series runs. He then got hired as the head, uh, head manager of the New York Mets. Failed miserably and is currently the suspended pitching coach of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California. They're the every, they have the longest name in history. Um, but he allegedly was texting and sexting with women out of control. I mean, he was out of control. He was hornier than Charlie Sheen in his prime. 
from what I hear. I mean, he he would if you're a woman, pre aids. They called him Dick Pick Mick. No bullshit. That was that was his nickname in the in the in the dugout or locker room. The, everyone in the front office, even they called him Dick Pick Mick. This is all so everyone knew. So everyone just allegedly yes. knew. So that's like the big story. So him him being a a horny dude, kind of a non story to me. I don't think like if a guy's just because he has a job that's you see on TV and he's you know a name, him wanting to cheat on his wife, it's not a crime. Normal so, people take dick pics too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's like whatever. He's trying to bang a bunch of chicks. He's a guy. It happens. Brett it is Favre what it is. It how many years ago? It's, Brett Favre, it's, it's not a shocker. Tiger Woods. I mean, some of the biggest prolific names in sports have been busted in Kobe Bryant. Who is like the a lot one? Of who is the Laker player that did it on the plane, airplane? Um, what's his name? Recent? Not recent. It was a basketball player. I would hope so if he played for the Lakers. Was shut up. No, I'm sorry, but it was like a <laughs> I'm trying to think. It was a, it was a basketball player who took a picture and then it got leaked on Reddit, and everyone like uh. blew it up. I'm trying to think who it was. I remember Draymond Green sent a dick pic. It, that got leaked. it wasn't the Lakers. Yeah. It was okay, Draymond, yeah, yeah. Green. Draymond yeah, Green. Draymond so Green. That got well, leaked then right to everybody about it. Yeah, I heard it wasn't that it. impressive because he, he looks like a donkey from Shrek, but he didn't. he's not hung like a donkey, which you, is surprising. <laughs> but he's, he's hung <laughs> like a mouse, yeah. It's... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Draymond Green's dick got leaked. A and couple, from fellow, oh, that's funny hung to say. Like a mouse. <laughs> Dray- Draymond's dick leaked a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gotta get that checked out. Um but back, back to this But story, yeah, though, so I mean, Mickey Calloway was busted. And again, you know, for me, a guy cheating on his wife, a scandal like that or whatever, that's not a, not a big deal to me. Who cares? Um, it doesn't affect the the game. So whatever. If a team wants to punish him for doing that, again, it's not a crime. But the way he was doing it, he was a little aggressive. And the Indians initially came out and said, we had no idea. Obviously, we don't tolerate that kind of stuff. And then a couple weeks go by and a story leaks that, speaking of leaks, again, um, a story comes out that he... It was well known because they called him Dick Pick Mick. They knew he was doing this. Um, a apparently a newswoman from Cleveland. He was doing this too, and her husband was calling the Indians regularly, saying this guy needs to stop fucking hitting up my wife, or I'm gonna go public with this. But he didn't want to do that because it would make his wife look bad. Because I think she was actually into it. So the guy was kind of it was a double edged sword. If he either says something and makes his wife look bad in his own marriage, or he keeps quiet and lets Mickey Calloway keep fucking his wife. Where they call so he, it the best well-known secret in the Indians yep. right now, worst known secret. Yeah, so he kept like calling the, the Indians and like the, the rumor is Terry Francona literally, literally was speaking to this lady's husband and telling him like, hey, I'll talk to him. We're going to get this figured out. Like, relax. Don't go public with this story. But again, the Indians came out and said, well, we knew nothing about it. So that story coming out obviously puts a damper in all of their all of their stories and, and puts some holes in some things. So well, it's also causing some family drama because Terry uh, Francona's kid came yeah. out. Terry Francona's son, the Indians, saying that everyone knew for about the Mets, this, and yeah. he said, "Why wouldn't they tell us that before we hired him as the manager?" But the, the other thing with that though is, I, I think that's kind of a Where, shitty. Where's move. the line between like what you do in your personal life and what's work? Like exactly, it's it, it not like he's like you know a misdemeanor or a felony or anything and, and how i look at it is dude again yeah he's just trying to bang chicks it's not affecting the game the indians the indians were a solid team still with mickey Callaway here we had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball then too and then he went to new york and obviously the mets sucked but i think it was more of a talent issue than a mickey Callaway issue i don't think it's because he wasn't spending the time to get the team prepared because he's too busy taking dick pics i just think they were a bad team so for him to act like knowing about mickey Callaway's sexual addiction would have made a difference if they hired him or not. Francona's son, I'm speaking of. Uh, I think it was pretty shitty to throw his dad under the bus like that, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, like, that's that's your dad. That's so fucked up to do that for a guy that you hired and it didn't work out. I mean, that happens in sports all the time. Look at how many coaches get hired and fired. We're from Cleveland. We see this every other day. I mean, personal life aside, Mickey Kelly was a good coach. He was a good pitching coach. I mean, he Great did pitching wonders. coach. He yeah. did wonders for our pitching yeah. staff back in the day um, when he was here. I mean, so... Th- 
that is without question. I mean, what he does in his personal time. That's, that's how I look at that's it. That's on him, but I think. It's not our business. It is shitty if the Indians did know about it and didn't yeah. come forward about it because now you're into a cover-up story. And now they're going to start looking. In the culture we're in right now, people are going to start looking for heads to roll. Yep. So is it is it Terry Francona? Is it Chris uh, Antonetti, the whole Antonetti, front office? Is, where does it start? I mean, is it, I haven't heard anything about it in the last week or, so, or two. I wonder if they're trying to Francona had his little press conference last the, week, and the they rug. basically told him to say nothing. So nothing really came from it. When they announced yeah. his presser, I really thought that that could have and been— He really bled the fifth on that I one. I thought yeah. it was going to be the time where Francona steps down because he has been dealing with his health issues. Now this allegation or this, this story is coming out. I thought— if anything, this is going to be the time where Frank Hino just says, like, I'm stepping down due to health. We're going to let Sandy Alomar Jr. be the full-time manager. But it didn't happen. He kind of just, like you said, he, he just pl- pled the fifth and didn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking they kind of hope that it just, it'll just it go away on its own. I know he's been suspended by the uh, Angels. Mickey Calloway has. But uh, as far as the Indians are concerned, again, uh, what he was doing, nothing was nothing was illegal. Um, I don't think he was just randomly sending dick pics. I think it was already women he was, like, in conversation with. So... Even if you do send a dick pic without a girl asking for it, it's still not a crime. So. Hey, hey, Mickey, tell me about your starting pitching lineup tonight. Sure, boom, dick. Yeah, I mean, it's a flow yeah. normal. So. The one thing that I could see ca- kicking him in the ass if it comes to fruition, uh, local radio show, for those of you that don't know, uh, Rover's Morning Glory. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with the show, there's a woman on the show who goes by Doogie, and she has been alleging that she was actually in a text conversation with Mickey Calloway, and things got kind of hot and heavy. And there was a night where she, she this is all what she claimed on the show. Again, it could just be for entertainment. It could be real. She said she hired a babysitter. She was fully prepared to go out with him for the night, go on a date, and let him bang her. Then she found out he had a family the day of the date, and she canceled it and stopped talking to him since then. The other thing, though, the, the, the bomb in the story, she claims he used to text her during games. So right away on the show, they said, show us the text and she's going no that's private i'm not doing that to him blah 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 and there and to me it's like that's a big deal if he's texting during games I mean, that's sure bigger that, than sure trying MLB, to show you his dick i'm, I'm sure I mean, mlb would love to know that exactly the red Sox got suspended for using apple watches you're not mm-hmm. supposed to have technology during games obviously he's not doing it to help to benefit the indians he's doing just it to get his him. dick wet but still i mean it's a long game he had to like waste some time somehow he's i agree and in the dugout like just watching the she's picture. not a sports fan so maybe it was technically during a game maybe it was a rain delay so, you know, I think you're allowed to be on your phone during a rain delay, I think. It could have know. been after the game, could have been before the game, it could have yeah. been an early game, she didn't know And it. that's the other thing, too, is she... On, Plus, I mean, it's and she's not attractive. I mean, right. she's I mean, had so many dicks ran through her, it's insane. That's No, she actually doesn't get laid at all, according to the show. She hasn't well, been she, laid in like 10 years. You know, years. Rover's banging the shit out of her multiple times. Well, they times. used to date. Yeah. But, I mean, allegedly on the show, she hasn't been laid in like 10 years. That's why she just had the kid. I don't. No, I know none of these things about any of these people. I, I listen to Rover I have regularly. I've never listened to Rover, ever. I've never been a fan of Rover. I mean, I was for a while, and then all of a sudden, when they stopped letting... Uh, What's his face do with the fun acts and everything he used to do? Dare Dieter. Dare Dieter. Then it got boring after a while. Then it started becoming conspiracy theory, and then they got rid of Dumb. I think Dumb got ousted about something that name. I don't know. I stopped listening to it then. Uh, a bunch of shit. There was a. I mean, it has a lot to do with the Indians. It's kind of ironic. Um, I forgot the the full story of it, but Foster Carmona. Oh yeah. I there was that, a story yeah. that he was trying to bang someone's wife, and Dumb broke the story like the morning of the the playoff game in two thousand seven against Boston and Foster Carmona went out there and shit the bed and everyone blamed dumb and said that it's because he outed that guy the morning of or something like that. But uh, at the time I wasn't listening to the show. So I actually wasn't like, I don't know the full story. Um, but yeah, it seems like they have a lot to do with was, the Indians. Was he the and picture that had the fake name? Yes. Okay. He that's was a totally different yeah. person, totally different age, all that. Uh, I forgot his biological name. It was a typical like Spanish name. Nothing, nothing special. But... Johnson. 
Yeah, it was uh, Tim Tim Smith, I Lee think. Tim Smith. Very, very Lee Hispanic. <laughs> no, yeah. there wasn't that much leaking going on. John, John Smith was his yeah. actual Mexican name. Yeah, he was the first and only... Not to be uh, uh, confused with Joe Smith. He's Spanish Mormon. That's yeah, different one of One of a kind. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the Indians have, all, have been in the headlines... A lot, actually, Not thanks for to all the right. Morning Glory. But back to your first your first comment about the guy we signed. I'm actually happy they signed him. I mean, I'd rather him on the Indians and against yeah. us in Minnesota. Yeah. I think he could be of help this year. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be the reason we, we we stamp our ticket to the World Series, but he'll at least be productive, at least. My issue is that, I mean, I've, I've said this before, but we have such a great pitching staff. Um, But the offense just sucks. So I'm, I'm afraid we're going to be like the Mets of years past, where the, the Mets had some of the greatest pitching in baseball. You know, with Thor, Jacob Degrom, just to name a few, and they were losing games, uh, um, like one to nothing, two to nothing, because they just couldn't score, and that's annoying to me. Got a bottle opener coming out, everybody, so don't mind the key sound. I'm sure you were not playing with children, and there it is, the jingling. Oh, who wants to play with my keys? Um, that's a, that's an. But that's what I'm worried about. Is out of my head now. Our offense is going to be really mm. shitty. Yes. And uh, this beer is spilling Take everywhere. It. We just leaky is the word He's of the day. He's got the cup of the balls <laughs> underneath it too. Look at that man. He goes right for it. Looks like a got milk ad now. Ah, this guy. This white. guy's like a professional over here. <laughs> somebody get this yeah, man some. Protect the carpet. Somebody the, get this man some new pants. He sees the white foam and goes for it for his mouth. He doesn't think about anything else. Luckily, luckily, Tara will never listen to this, so she won't know that Dan just spilled beer all over the office. Uh, Who cares? Allegedly, it'll, it'll allegedly. dry. Um. But yeah, so the Indians, again, they made that Eddie Rosario signing a, a year too late. We could have used some corner outfielder help last year. Um, well, you see, they they just they just dropped down, and I didn't know everybody they did, but they dropped some people down to minor leagues. And the one yeah, guy, Nolan I'm, Jones. Well, that's who I'm, I'm excited about, Nolan Jones. I, I'm a fan. I, I really I am excited for him. I think that that could be potentially a nice little uh, bat in the lineup for us come for years mm-hmm. to come. But I don't, I mean, I'm glad they sent him down. He's not ready. And then what's, well, his, what's his face is actually, he might get the first baseman job. Um Bobby Bradley, he's up. To yeah, the first he probably pitch. is because again, we just don't really have a lot of talent. I've on this got team. a signed rookie card by him, so, so I need great. him to turn into something. Well, I need year. Nolan Jones to be great because I have that autographed bat in my basement. Oh, by oh him. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nolan Jones is a third baseman unless he converts to a new position. Right now, there's not a spot for him, obviously, because of Jose Ramirez. So, well, I would love to see these guys get called up and have regular time on the field. Uh, same thing with guys like Yu Chang. Yeah. I kind of think Yu Chang's been doing some pretty good things in spring, tra- spring training. He so has, far. but I think he's kind of one of those guys where they kind of know what they're getting out of him. Yeah. So, uh, we I have mean, we have a team I right his now. Name. The guy we got in the trade with Lindor, the 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 shortstop. I can't remember his name. It's like Angel something, or I don't remember. Whatever it is, solid shortstop. But uh, you know, he's taking the starting job. So obviously, it's not going to Yu Chang, which kind of worries me that it seems like you know they're not as confident in Yu Chang as they should be at this point. So maybe they know something. Could be a maybe midseason move that they yeah. make though too. Or yeah, that's the other thing with baseballs. Maybe they don't want to get him up in the majors and, and cost one of his professional years because yeah. they want to keep him under contract and all that. Baseball. Well, that's very... known fact. I mean, look at the guy out of what yep. Seattle that got canned oh, this year he was because pissed. he he threw it Fucking out there. Pissed. And I don't blame him for doing that. I wanted to talk about that too, but that was from a couple of weeks ago and we didn't end up recording for a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, baseballs are really really touchy game when it comes to prospects and calling guys up and teams that obviously aren't committed to winning they're more committed to just saving money and like keeping players so yeah i mean you call up a guy like yu chang or someone like that just see what he's got but at the same time you are using one of his years of eligibility and or or of pro experience so that hurts the contract in in the long run so it's a business like anything else i i I don't blame the indians i think they understand we're gonna suck this year so nothing too wild 
Don't know. No idea. Uh, sorry, we were looking at a picture. But, uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much it for baseball. I mean, the season's going to be starting up here at the end of the month. Uh, some teams are opening up the stadium. Thank other God teams are on not. time. I mean, yeah, I mean, right now it looks like the season's going to be a go. Uh, we did have uh, Fran Mill Reyes and Jose Ramirez get busted for breaking COVID protocol. Uh, excuse me. And uh, that was Rumor. And uh, <laughs> they were all that foam got to them. They broke uh, COVID protocol, so they were they were booted from the team for a couple days or whatever until they tested negative and went through the proper steps to come back. So obviously, it's not gone completely but players just need to kind of buckle down be responsible and let the season go on as it I, needs to I go. thought that they were going to make everyone get the vaccine that was in the mlb before the season started just to make sure the season went off without a hitch mm-hmm. I, I i could have swore i read that somewhere but i think they backed off i think the commissioner backed off that idea um, yeah i think but, it's more so because it makes them look bad because then people are gonna getting be like, to the front of the line yeah you know? why are these fucking baseball players getting it but Other according to it, blah, blah, blah. according to uh our our president we should have everything done it, we should have a, a vaccine for everybody by may so yeah, a month he, after the season starts yeah. you should have enough vaccine for everyone to get a vaccine so. yeah he he said biden not to get political or anything we, we don't do that on the show often that's but, why i uh, said the president right no i'm just saying yeah biden did come out and say that he wants every state to have uh vaccines readily available oh, i get it for because there's certain adult. people who think there's a different president right now i see what you did yeah there. you gotta you gotta make sure you let everybody <laughs> know <laughs> but um bumch so, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, right now baseball is expected to go off without a hitch. Uh, the NBA season was a little funky this well, year. They let's had to do start a little late. early predicts. We're still on baseball. What's mm-hmm. your prediction, Indians? Uh, let's go. What position do they finish in the Central? And uh, do you think they make the playoffs, yes or no? Hmm. I would think they're going to finish uh, maybe fourth. I mean, I think Kansas City, wow. White Sox, and the Twins will be better. Uh, I just think we might be better than the Tigers. So might be, I might mean, be. I mean, the Tigers are one of the worst teams in the league. And I think the only thing that stands apart for the Indians is they're pitching. Because again, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we traded a guy like Jose Ramirez. Another thing I'm worried about too, because look what happened immediately. Francisco Lindor has gone. Jose Ramirez has been a, a, a fantastic, you know, uh, great role model kind of guy. Never done anything wrong. Francisco Lindor has gone and he already gets in trouble with COVID protocol. So it makes me think, is he going to, is he going to act out a little bit kind of childish like, but is he going to. Is he going to be disgruntled now that he's on a shitty team that has no future? Is he going to want to be traded to go to a contender? I think the man was just hungry to go get some Mexican. You never know. Uh, I just I, I'm worried about him wanting to get out of here. Same with like guys like Reyes and you know pretty much anybody with talent. I could see being pissed off at this organization and wanting out because Lindor's gone. That's our Lindor was our window, and obviously don't get me wrong, Lindor didn't have a great season last year. He admitted himself that he kind of half-assed it, which. I said that from the beginning. I don't blame the guy. Imagine putting your heart and soul into something and they do not reciprocate. They don't treat you with respect. They don't even, they act like they don't want you to stay. They lowball you with offers. I think anybody with a brain with, with feelings would kind of feel a little slighted and maybe act out a little bit and maybe not be as motivated as you, as you should be. So I blame the Indians wholeheartedly. I don't blame Lindor for acting like that last year. I, I, you, you guys know how I feel. Fuck the Dolans. So, um, <laughs> But that is my worry now that Lindor was kind of the heart and soul of the team, and now that he's gone, who's gonna be who's gonna step up and be the veteran leader? Because we don't really have one. Right. No, I hear you. Kind so. of would be Jose Ramirez. He's one of the older guys on the team. Um, but again, without Lindor next to him, does he kind of say fuck it? I want out of here too. That's I, that's I, my worry. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know, but I I so obviously your fourth prediction they don't make the playoffs. No, not even close. So, <laughs> no. I had them either finishing second or third. I think who's going to win the Central is going to be Minnesota. 
Um, or the White Sox. It's a toss-up. White Sox, it could be go one. It depends on how the season starts. Mm-hmm. White Sox are a loaded team. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The White Sox are going for they're it. They're kind of under the radar a little bit because people yep. they don't have all the big, big names, but they have a solid team that's put together. Yeah, the White Sox are kind I of I mean, Abreu similar. was the MVP from last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. Different Jose, I think. It could, should have gone to Ramirez, but I'm just a little biased. But uh, I ca- By the way, I called that. Just don't throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think they finished second no matter what, and I do think they squeak into a wild card spot. I just can't see us beating the Twins. I mean, Twins are, have been a good team for a while. I mean, you saw last year the Indians, Twins, and uh, – and the White Sox were all competing for the the Central for most I of mean, the, the season. I mean, the Twins were running away with it most of the season last yeah. year. And then, again, though, now you're losing. Like, the Indians have no offense. Our offense is terrible. We're one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. So that's why it, it pains me to say it. But I think we are going to be a bottom-of-the-basement team with uh, uh, the, the Pirates, with the Tigers. We'll be a little bit better than them because they are completely gutted. But, again, our pitching's good, but we just have no offense. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that we're not going to – I mean – we can't. We had enough trouble scoring last year. It was pretty tough, and we still made the playoffs. And we're, you know, we were an okay team last year. We had a Cy Young winner. Now our offense is even worse. Imagine taking a step back from that shitty offense from last year. It's kind of scary to think about. Did you see, did you see his contract? I have to get out before we get to Romer's prediction. But his 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 contract this year is six hundred and forty thousand dollars. A Cy Young winner. Yeah. Six hundred. MLB's pay structure is is beyond. Oh, it makes no fun. sense. It's crazy. And I mean, that's that's another thing I could see Jose Ramirez being kind of mad about is he took a huge de- deal to stay in Cleveland, like a huge discount. And for as good as he is and talented as he is, he's one of the, one of the most underpaid players in baseball. Because at least underpaid. Yeah, like like Bieber had a good year. He's a great pitcher. Obviously, won the Cy Young. Again, put an asterisk next to it, as I do, not to be too hard on him because I'm a fan of him, obviously, but uh. He did do it in a shortened season, in a season where he didn't face a lot of opponents that he's going to have to face this year. We didn't play the Yankees in the regular season last year. You know, we didn't play a lot of West Coast teams. Some decent teams that Bieber didn't face. For the most part, he faced majority AL Central. Obviously, the Twins and White Sox were pretty good, but the likes of the Tigers and Royals, those are pretty shitty teams. So you get to play them majority of your season, you should have a pretty good year as a pitcher. So... I'd like to see Shane Bieber come out this year and, and prove that he can, like, don't get me wrong. I know he was an all-star, the all-star game MVP the year before. So I'm not saying I expect him to take a huge step backwards, but I am concerned that maybe last year was a little fluky with the the outrageous, like, record-breaking numbers that he he, he put up. But uh, we'll see what happens. Again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, and I hope that doesn't happen. But at the same time, I'm worried that maybe he does pitch great and maybe gives up one or two runs a game. And we lose those games one or two to nothing because we have no score more fucking than, offense. More than one or two to win that game, then. So yeah, Romer, your thoughts on the Indians? I hope that like I hope that they obviously you know end up second and make the playoffs, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they're going to end up fourth. Yeah. It's just the way that like you can't always gauge a, a season on spring training, but just looking at like how it's going and how many like loss, 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 and just yeah. knowing that we don't have an offense behind us, especially with how loaded some of these teams are, we're going to have to see all the time. It's just gonna it's gonna be a rough go. Like, I don't think it's going to be, um, I don't think we're going to have the happy ending like in the movie Major League, but it reminds me of the movie Major League in the beginning where you look at the Indians lineup every day because I still follow them on like social media and you go, who the fuck is that? Like, I I ask myself (laughs) that sometimes where I'm like, who the fuck? I I look at like the, like when like the the notification comes across my phone, I'm like, I honestly don't know who half these people are. They're still shitty. (laughs) Yeah. So again, I mean, getting uh, worse. <laughs> obviously, I'm down on the Indians big time, and nothing's really going to change that unless they go out and prove prove me wrong. But I, I'm just really irritated that we had that World Series window, and the Dolans got cheap, and they kind of squandered it away. And another thing I look at too that I don't think a lot of fans really take into consideration is Terry Francona, one of the greatest managers in baseball history, uh, probably going to be a Hall of Famer for a manager. 
Uh, the, the stuff he did in Boston was incredible. Coming to Cleveland, he was awesome. And I just kind of feel like you're wasting an amazing manager right now with this with this team. I, I feel like if you have Terry Francona, you put money into that team. You make yourself competitive. If you are going to go as cheap as they are, I think they should have done Terry Francona a favor and, and, and fired him, basically. I hate to say that that's doing him a favor, but I also think it is. You're making a guy with these health problems that struggled to stay healthy last year and even manage uh, come in and, and continuously now manage this shitty, useless roster of minor leaguers for the most part. So either... He really shows that he's an amazing fucking manager and can can take these unknown guys to the promised land, at least the playoffs, and make them competitive. Or, again, I just think you're wasting a, a great manager. Well, it's typical Cleveland. It's probably going to end up, we're going to be in like second for three quarters of the season. And then that last month, you know, end, late August, end of September, mid-September, it's just going to just skyrocket down. So usually the up. Indians are opposite, though. With I'm, Terry Francona, for whatever reason, the first half of the year, at least the first few months, we've always been bad. For the most part, like we let teams that are right behind us, then we go away with it. That's kind of Terry Francona's thing. Starts off pretty slow. Opposite. It might be. You never know. I mean, I'm, I'm worried because, yeah, this could be where you have all these unknown guys, a lot of guys coming to the American League for the first time, some guys playing full time for the first time. Maybe teams don't really know what to do, and then they don't have the scouting reports on them for the first couple of months. And then eventually you're going to get some tape on these guys. You're going to know their ticks, and then you're going to be like, all right, easy. And then the Indians kind of tank. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's a long season, assuming that it happens. Uh, with no issues, but uh, I'm extremely down on the Indians, so that's that's my stance. Well, we'll see, like always. Speaking of being down on shitty Cleveland teams, the Cavaliers. Uh, well, the, uh, uh, um, I, I still follow the NBA tech. a lot, and uh, the the Pelicans who came to Cleveland, or actually they were in, at home yesterday, but uh, Thursday night the Pelicans played the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken, got blown out by about 30 points on day two of their back-to-back against the Cavaliers. So you're thinking, all right, Cavs have been off for over a week because of the All-Star break. Pelicans are coming off a back-to-back. They got blown out last night. Cavs have a pretty good fucking chance. We got uh, blown out by like 40 fucking points yesterday. It was, it was embarrassing. It's like 91 to 50-something in the third quarter. It was yeah. horrible. In, in the fourth quarter, I think we had like 60-something points for most of the fourth quarter. Like, that's pathetic. That's a halftime score in current NBA with no defense. We had 60 points in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, that's embarrassing. The Cavs team, they're so fucking Jekyll and Hyde. It's its 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 painful for me because I'm a big sports fan in general, and I love basketball. So watching this Cavs team, one night they go out, well, two nights actually, they go out and they fucking stun the Brooklyn Nets. They play great. They beat them. Colin Sexton looks like a stud. Then they go out and they get blown up by fucking 40 by the Pelicans. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, we spoke on it before, the Kevin Porter incident. I really liked Kevin Porter. I think that was a huge oh, blow to the team. That's going to be such a regret for this team. It really is. I mean, he's, he's out there doing well right now. Playing amazing. He he just got called up from the G League, um, assuming he continues his success in the NBA. Just such a fucking waste. Very close to a triple-double the other night. Yeah. I think he, had like, he had a double-double, but he's almost had a triple-double. It's crazy. He did well in the G League, thinking he's going to come to the NBA. He's going to not do so well again. Now he gets his first game in the NBA, and he goes out there and does what he does. Yeah. He's going to make him regret trading him. I really, I, 100%. It's crazy. And the scary thing too is he's gonna he's gonna play great, and trading him is one thing. It's the fact that we got like a future second round pick, which is basically garbage in the NBA. It's worth nothing, and he's gonna come out and play possibly like all star caliber basketball. And you're like, the Cavs gave him away for a second round pick just because they wanted to get rid of him that bad. Just painful. And then uh, I think we've talked about it since the last time we recorded, but Andre Drummond, the Cavs are so uh, obsessed with trading him that they just bench him now. They benched him a few weeks ago before the trade deadline and said he's not playing again till he gets traded. And I just think that's so shitty of the NBA to do that, of, of franchises to do that. Let this guy go out there and play his game 
and and you know help himself boost his value a little bit. Instead, the Cavs are just letting him rot, where teams are now just going to wait and make the Cavs cut him for, for the most part. So there's a good chance Andre Drummond, who's arguably our most talented player overall on the team, is just going to sit on our bench and get cut for nothing, and the Cavs will get nothing. And he hasn't out of it. played in the last couple games. Mm-mm. Oh no, like the last month, the Cavs benched him, and they they announced they said he's not playing until we find a trade partner. Well, and you saw the trade coming when they traded for. That other center, Jared Allen. Yeah, when yep. you trade, you saw that coming a mile yeah. away, and like I was surprised, like it still Which, hasn't happened. When we traded for Andre Drummond last year, right before COVID hit, um, I was stunned by that trade. It didn't really make a lot of sense because a, a, a typical, he's a typical, a prototypical big man in the NBA. He he can't shoot. He's just a big body. He blocks shots. He rebounds. He's an interior player only. That's that's rare in the NBA. So when we traded for him, I was like, huh, how is this going to fit our team? Because this isn't how the NBA is going anymore. And it actually worked out pretty well. Like I said, he's he's played great. He was arguably the best player on the Cavaliers overall because he was consistent every single night. He's putting up 15 rebounds a night. He was leading the league in rebounds at one point, I think. And uh, just to see how the Cavs are fucking all this up is really making me question Kobe Altman. And I wasn't a huge fan of the Darius Garland pick last year. The Colin Sexton pick, uh, to be honest, I don't follow, follow college basketball that much. I didn't know much about him. So when we got him... That was right after LeBron left. So, I mean, obviously, I was a little disappointed in general. There was really no one we could have drafted that year that was going to excite me, um, except for maybe, uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Is that his name? The kid from, uh, where is he at? Denver, maybe? I think yeah, Denver yeah, took him. Yeah. He was the one that, like, broke his back or whatever. He was all fucked up. But I was a huge fan of him coming out. So, I really wanted the Cavs to, to roll the dice on him. They didn't. They took Sexton. Both players seem like they're going to have pretty decent NBA careers. So, it is It is what it is. It's kind of a draw. But, uh the Sexton pick was okay. He's looking like he's turned into a pretty good player. Garland, I'm still not a huge fan of. Uh, I, I hate Chetty Osman. Obviously, I don't know if that was Kobe Altman's doing. I don't think he was the GM at the time when we got Chetty Osman. But uh, some of the other moves we've made, Kevin Porter Jr., Andre Drummond, uh, trading for JaVale McGee to just kind of treat him like Andre Drummond in a sense where we know he's he's gone. We just signed Cook to a 10-day deal too. Yeah, so Quite just a lot, of, a lot of questionable moves by the Cavaliers. Uh as you guys know, I hate losing more than I like winning. I've said it a million times. I'll continue to say that. So I don't believe in the, these processes that these NBA teams do. It shouldn't take you five fucking years to be a decent team. You should at least be a, a playoff contender at this point if you're the Cavaliers. Especially LeBron's been gone for East. three years now. Like, he's been gone. You've had multiple drafts. You've had a shitload of first-round draft picks. You have talent. You have good players, and you just suck consistently. It's just a shame. The NBA is such a joke when it comes to teams that just continuously tank, and uh, me personally, I just don't understand what the Cavs' plan is, because eventually Colin Sexton's going to be due for a new contract. He's probably going to be the best player on the team once we get rid of Drummond officially, and is he going to even want to stay here? Is I don't think he's played up to a super max like level or like a max contract. And that's pretty much the only way you're going to keep a guy like that is by giving him, you're going to have to overpay to keep him. Is it worth it to me? No. So then you're going to maybe step back again and go even further back. So we will go years without making the playoffs with some good talent to being shittier where we're still going to not make the playoffs. Hey, I just don't like the cycle. We're going to sneak in on the eighth seed one of these years, okay? It's not looking good. I thought that last year when the Cavs yeah. had like a <laughs> the Cavs had like a month where they actually looked pretty good, and I was like, oh shit, like they really do have a chance. And then they fucking they went right downhill again. Or no, actually, that's when COVID hit, and the, the NBA just said, yeah, you guys don't even get to play ever again this year. So that's right, I forgot about yeah. that. Well, when they um, started off this season, so off promising, pretty good, yeah, so promising. We're like, wow, they they're going to make. That's the why I said, I'm like, this could be an eight or even seven seed. Oh, wow. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going balls to the wall, boys. <laughs> Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, they look like shit again. They just got blown up by the Pelicans. 
but they're so hot and cold. I just don't understand it. I don't understand what the, what the Cavs' plan is because you can't win in the NBA without superstars. That's just a proven fact. That's the way the game is right now. I don't expect us to ever be able to bring in a, a superstar in free agency, so we kind of need to trade for some and then develop our own home talent, and these guys just aren't developing the way that I like. I right. mean, we have a decent core with Sexton, Jared Allen, and hopefully uh, Darius Garland, who, again, I'm not too sold on. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm just, I, I hate watching Cleveland teams suck and be the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I've seen it too often with every team in every league. It's not like it's a one, one league kind of thing. So we'll see what happens, but I'm not too thrilled on that. Other than that, um, not a whole lot going on in the NBA. I mean, we're almost, the trade deadline is the 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm expecting to see a lot of, I, I would say almost more, more, uh, buyouts like Blake Griffin got bought out, went to the right. Nets. Uh, I expect other guys to get bought out and look to just go to contenders, which is usually a typical thing that happens in the NBA around this time. So we'll see what happens. We'll we'll talk about that when things actually happen. But right now, there's really nothing happening. Kind of a boring just time rumors. in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of alleged. <laughs> yes, a lot of allegedly alleged things leaking in the NBA as well. Sports are go, sports are a leaky world. Go back to that keyword. Full circle, baby. Always. That's a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Um, while he's here. here. As as promised on Twitter, as I tweeted, uh, Dan Rockingham. Except for that one guy. Fuck you. Oh, that's my buddy Jim. Jim Wallen. He's funny. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, he's of like, course. who? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that that know anything about indie wrestling, probably not a lot of you. If I had to be, if I had to guess, uh, we're a pretty small subsect of a subsect of a very much a, so. a very weird niche. We have a very yes. diverse audience. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I think yeah. So if know. any of you are wrestling fans, if any of you know anything about indie wrestling, especially local here in the Cleveland scene, maybe you've heard of him. DCR, Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham, again, a.k.a. Dan Romer, who I know and love. Uh, the Dr. Dan guy is kind of a dick. But uh, Dan Romer, Dan Romer's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so he is stepping away for, from wrestling for, are we, are we saying temporary? I mean, in wrestling, there's no such thing as an actual retirement. Right. But I don't see myself like returning to like any part of the business for a while. Okay. So I just decided rather than... But speculation, everything out there, I just, you know, put it out there on Twitter that like, hey, I'm stepping away and, uh, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I enjoyed the ride. I hope everyone else did too. And mm-hmm. I actually got a lot of, you know, support and a lot of people that like, came out and like, you know, said nice things to me. And I actually saw that. I saw some so interventions. I really couldn't, like, it was, it was really cool to see like yeah. how many impressions and everything that tweet got. Cause I had no idea. I, so many people liked me so much, but like at the end of the day, that's all I wanted. I was talking with Weird Body Evan Adams, who was a another graduate of AIW school, and he's like, when he retired last year, when we had our like I wrestled him, and he was like, well, I'm you know I'm happy, and I told him like all I want to do is like be known as a good dude in the business, like right. I've accomplished everything I wanted, so yeah. as long as people think of me as a decent person, like I'm good. That's it. Hey, mission accomplished. It is. I I feel that so it was pretty cool. So I'll never forget it. Um. I knew nothing about indie wrestling. I uh, didn't really care about it. I actually had stopped watching even professional wrestling, like WWE. Like I'm, I think it's all. I, it's kind of a slap in the face to act like indie wrestling is any lesser than like WWE, just because they're on TV and like more popular. I think it's the same exact thing. So I look at it as like, I'll just call it all professional wrestling. So I wasn't paying attention to wrestling in general at all. And then Romer had told us about a local AIW. Uh, group what do you call it absolute Uh, intense wrestling uh, indie fed yeah so they were their own organization 
And he told us that he had been going to some matches and it was fun and blah, blah, blah. So we all got together and like a Friday night, we all decided, let's go check it out. And I fucking loved it. It was so much fun. Cheap beer, like a weird party. It really is. Like the, the, the crowd the there, it really I've... is so fun. Like we started chants. Like we used to have so many good times. Like little feuds off Making the funny signs and, yeah. for specific wrestlers. Like it was just so much fun. Like it really was. Like I, I, I truly miss it. Dick Outline Guy will never will Dick ever Outline be my guy, guy thing, uh, yeah. Eddie Kingston, a.k.a. Sinbad's twin AKA brother. my wife's <laughs> fantasy like ever. Yeah, that too. Weird. That's weird, but whatever. <laughs> Him making fun of Foose for his hat. That yep. was one of the funnier <laughs> fucking things. Just like that, like some of the weird shit you see there. And the other cool thing is to now fast forward, like I said, you know, five years, whatever later. And some of these guys like Eddie Kingston's now somewhat a household name because he's with AEW. If anyone out there is a, a wrestling fan, this is a guy that I was watching. He's two feet away from me at like some, some random bar in Cleveland wrestling. Yeah, and like, you're having beers with him. At, he's talking like, shit. A, and a then random like Brook Park bar. And then and yeah, then because of TV, because of Romer. I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a private event, but like they would go out after the shows, a lot of the wrestlers. And like, we'd go with Romer and like hang out and like, you just be sitting there drinking beers with guys. Like I was drinking a beer with, uh, What's the hairy guy in uh, WWE, Killian something? Killian Dane. Killian Dane. I'm sitting there drinking a beer with him. He was sitting at the table with me with uh, little Guido. Like we're Uncle all, Guido's the best. We're just sitting there drinking beers. And like like I said, like you fast forward a couple years, and some of these guys are now in the WWE. And it's just like they're just normal guys, and it's just so fun. It's like a, it's like a live soap opera. You get to watch some drama. And then they wrestle. And I think wrestling is so incredibly athletic and the timing and shit like that. If you really break it down... It's incredible. I know a lot of people like to shit on people that are adults and watch wrestling and they, they act like they're better than anybody else, but go fuck yourself if you're one of those people, truly. Um, wrestling's fun. It's entertaining. I think it's better than, like, it, it's a it's a, it's a a better and smarter sport than NASCAR. I'm going to say that. I'm going to probably piss off a couple people. Uh, some guy that's a Atlanta Braves fan in particular, probably. He loves NASCAR. But uh, those guys, don't get me wrong, you need to know a little bit about cars and stuff like that, but you're just driving in a circle wrestling you're you're risking your life your body i understand you're risking your life in a car too ask dale earnhardt oh wait you can't but uh easy there killer jesus <laughs> i'm on a roll let me go but uh but yeah wrestling is so exciting and some of the moves you see the other cool thing about indie shows and i you know it's kind of a it's kind of a catch-22 because it's awesome to see some of the crazy fucking leaps of faith these guys take and put their bodies on the line that the wwe would never let them because there's a huge like death risk or paralyzed risk and injury risk. But the shit these guys do on like cement floors, jumping off fucking balconies and shit. It's so much fun. It's so exciting. I loved it. And I thank Dan Romer for introducing me to that. And the funny thing is, is that the first show we went to and had a great time, you didn't tell anybody that you had been training for a little while already. Yeah, that was like the big, like there was only a few people that knew that I was training. It was yeah. my sisters really. Yeah. And I just didn't want to tell anyone because I wanted to do something like for me that, like, I felt good about because, like, I stopped playing rugby. So I was like, you know, I want to do something physical. Yeah. And I fell in love with it, and I started, and they're like, you're not too terrible. Yeah. Which I found out uh, my trainers who are on NXT, um, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, didn't think I would make it. Damn. Really? Yeah. Name so drop. yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, like, these guys, uh, I can name drop forever. No, no, like, we yeah. just make a noise anytime we name drop someone. So. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, like... I didn't know that, but like it's cool, like to you know see how far I came in five years, and like yep. I actually did it. Yeah, I, remember, I mean, how I remember I found that? out when we were at that um, I don't know some place that's by a lake. I don't know, whatever you call it. That's the first time I learned about it. Um, when you said you were going to be wrestling um, at this uh, local show, I've never heard of. My first ever show I went to, I think, was with you and I believe Phil Excuse at me. the Holiday Inn. Oh yeah, the Strongsville. Oh, you yeah. uh, went to the Wrestling Geek Fest. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's my first ever show I went to, and I remember leaving, going, "This was fucking awesome." Loved it, dude. I was hooked from the minute I went. Yeah, 
and it, like I said, I I, I, had, I used to be a diehard wrestling fan, uh, Attitude Era especially. For me, WWE only. I was a one-brand man. I wasn't no skank. I wasn't double-dipping and watching both. WCW can eat a dick. Um, but yeah, so so Romer bringing us to that show really rejuvenated my love of wrestling, and I started watching again. And and right now, the the current professional product doesn't do it for me, so I don't really pay it. Like, I follow some stuff online to catch up on like news, who's champion, stuff like that. But overall, I don't really watch much anymore. Um, and live shows are obviously not a thing because of COVID. So maybe once it all ramps back up, I'll start getting back into it. Who knows? Now that Romer can go back as a fan, you know, maybe we'll go to some shows and stuff. I saw, I'll probably still be on second shifts. I won't be able to go to their show in April, but I saw AIW is attempting to do a show coming up. Um, Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to be because I've been pretty unplugged since mm -hmm. your departure, essentially. Since like November, I've been pretty unplugged, like right, right around like November, December. Right. But. Like I know that you know, there's like I don't think it's an actual live show. I'm not quite sure exactly oh, okay. what it is. I know that they're you know the live show, like from all the venues and everything, they didn't seem like there was going to be anything live for a while still in Cleveland. Okay, like lot, so possibly they're the doing fe- like a streaming thing. Like yeah, the, okay. I know that a lot of the uh, the venues and stuff in Cleveland, at least you know at the end of last year, were still like, oh, I'm not sure, probably like August, September ish, but now with okay. like. With all the different news updates and everything, you really don't know until all of a sudden you get a green light. Like, oh, people can be inside and you can be, you know, actual, you know, like have actual people. Because I know at one time we were trying to get a show in Akron at the Tadmore Shrine where we run there. And the bleachers didn't count as, like, people you could have in the building. Okay. So it was like, even with capacity, you could get, like, 17 people in. So it wasn't mm, even worth it's it. It's not worth it. Yeah, you're not going to make any money doing that. So, well, yeah. Have, well, have you told the story of the, the toilet paper yet? No, 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 no. Which one? The first time ever. The original the one toilet that, paper the throw? The original toilet paper throw. I'll let Dan tell it. Well, there was two. Like, so are you guys, so I have a, a part and you guys have a part. Yes. Because the first time was when I won my first match in AIW at that six-way scramble in at Hell on Earth in 2015. Yep. And you guys started throwing random garbage at me. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> and, like, it, it was, like, it was especially watching it back, like, the crowd is, like, shocked I won because I literally had one match before them. Yeah. And it's dead silent, and my music plays, and then you guys, like... Like, in independent wrestling and, like, over in Japan, like, you throw streamers in the ring, like, for, like, respect or, like, oh, like, you like this certain wrestler, so you're going to throw something <laughs> at him. Well, you guys took, like, the crumpled up streamers <laughs> and threw them at me, and I'm, like, what? Like, I'm looking around, and then the next show, I'm pretty sure that uh, the late Chandler Biggins, like, went over to fans, and he's, like, throw these at Dan, and he's, yep. like, handing out It turned into a people, thing. <laughs> and it turned into a thing. And then that, I think, what, the next show... A uh, fan covered uh, toilet paper in lotion and threw it at me and got me right on my suit Oh, I didn't jacket. know they put lotion on yeah, it. Yeah, this oh, one kid put okay. lotion on the jacket. That's lame. And I just lotion. remember, yeah. I remember uh, Carson. He J-O'd in it. <laughs> Carson was like, just take your jacket off. Don't don't freak out. Just take the, I'm like, what happened? He goes, don't look. Just take it off. Uh, we have a long match to remember. Yeah. Do not look. And I didn't look. I just took my jacket off and hung it on the post. And then in the back, they're like, yeah, uh, you have lotion all over your suit. I'm like, what the fuck? See, I didn't know that there was lotion on it. I, I, that, yeah, that it sucks. bad. So it did turn into a funny thing where people, instead of the streamers for Dan Rockingham, they just had rolls of toilet paper. So the funniest thing to me is going to a show with AIW and you're walking in with like a four pack of toilet paper from like the dollar store and like, or something and like that. And multiple people would and do it. And, yeah, and then it turned for. into a whole thing where, yeah, a bunch of people would bring toilet paper. And as Romer said with the, with the streamers, 
you'd maybe bring like a bag of streamers and you're throwing one a match because there's like, okay, this wrestler, here's Johnny Gargano. I'm throwing a streamer because he's a great wrestler, doing it nicely. Then you wait, the next guy. Oh, here's one streamer for this guy. Romer, it was four pack of toilet paper. Go, go, go. Throw all the toilet paper at once. And there was just so much flying around. I remember because Dan was, Dan was his character was mostly heel. Yes, 100%. He was there. 1, I, was, I, was, I was a good guy or a baby face one time in my whole right, career. Right, but then you were mostly yeah. heel. So there'd be times when you were obviously the crowd was against you. But we would be cheering for you, so we'd be fighting, and you sometimes you'd be like, "Don't be so loud in the cheering part." Like, no, fuck that. We're arguing. With, <laughs> we're arguing with the kids across like the way who are like booing you. We're like, "Fuck you!" And like yeah. we're cheering for you. It, it was the best part. You like these kids that are clearly way more into it than we were. Way into it. We were there just to support you and have a good night and have some drinks and, and whatever. But these guys were way into it, so we're cheering for you. They're yelling and cursing at us. Fuck you and fuck you and you know it was it was I, a great I, night. I let the character go like the way. It was so when he would come out, I booed the shit out of Romer every time he walked down. I'd always boo him, I would talk shit, I'd say he's like a proctologist, a shitty doctor. Like, I would just always crack all these jokes. And then if he won, I'm the first guy to stand up and clap because yeah. it's funny. But like, I didn't want to, I wanted all the fans to like, you know, hate him, so I kept that up. But then when he would win, I'd obviously cheer for him because it's awesome. What's your, but, uh, uh, what's your favorite match of all time? My favorite match of all time, so I have two that mean a lot in like the sense of a story because, like, in my career, hang on really quick before you start this, right. let's go. Three quick questions, okay. kind of rapid fire style. Right, can I tell a real quick story about toilet paper? Yes, save okay. that. Save that till you could start the story as soon as I'm done with the questions, okay. and then Go just ahead. roll yeah. into all of it. So the three questions are going to be your favorite match. I'm going to say you're the your the favorite person you didn't even necessarily work with, but the favorite person you met since you've been in the business. And then let's go with your favorite moment. It doesn't have to be in the okay. ring, just something a good story you want to tell. Go ahead, the mic is yours. All right, favorite match. I have two. Okay. I know it's like a cop-out, but I have two favorite matches. Um, it was in Alpha 1 in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I never really got to finish stories because, like, it's not, like kind of well-documented on, like, the AIW podcast. The card is going to change. The the Everyone I was paired with in my career somehow had, like, a giant personal stumbling block that <laughs> I never got to actually finish a story. That's an understatement. So I <laughs> I was with... Joshua Singh first, and then I was with Brian Carson, and then I was with All Ego Ethan Page, and then I was with Parker Pierce and Hornswoggle, and I never got really anywhere through a full storyline before, like, someone got hurt, someone quit wrestling, someone, like, Ethan Page got signed to Impact, and then, Mm -hmm. like, never came back around, so it was just so hard to keep a story going for my character for some reason. So, um, when I finally got to do a no-disqualification match with Hornswoggle at WrestleRager, for AIW, that was possibly like my favorite thing because I got to bookend a story. And then for Alpha One in Canada, uh, my former tag team partner, Jim Nye the Science Guy, we were the Western Med Connection. Yeah, that was good. That and was a good thing. Uh, he ended up retiring because he was a real life teacher and he was getting older and he, you know, decided to start a family. So he re- retired from wrestling and we got to do a two out of three falls, false count, or uh, two out of three falls match against the Space Pirates, Space Monkey and Shane Sabre. I love watching. Those guys were great in the ring. Those guys were awesome. And we ended up, uh, like, we had a two out of three falls match, and the crowd was super into it. You know, it was career versus title. So, actually, like, by the time the match got longer and longer, like, you could feel the crowd starting to come up with it. Like, the crowd actually got really into it. And it was just cool to bookend a story where us, the bad guys, lose. Jim retires. So, 
Like we had, like we got the whole na 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 na, hey hey goodbye. No shit. And then I left the ring for Jim. Like I, you know, gave him like the quick bow and I hugged him and I got out of the ring so he could retire. Mm-hmm. And like that was just like a really cool moment. So and, it was some closure, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Then, like that was cool, and that ended up being my last match for Alpha One, was just because like it's like okay, you're gonna go away for a while. We'll figure it out when you Alpha come One back. was Ethan Page's company. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And Jim then just signed with uh, a. Yep. AEW. Yep. He debuted uh, a in the ladder match. Ethan Page did. Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Sorry, go ahead. Man. And then the other one was Hornswoggle. I managed him for over a year when he left WWE. Yeah. And he came to, like, he came out of the independence. So I managed him trying to get his life back in order with my character being like a Joel Olstein, Tony Robbins type. Yeah, really quick, like, if I can character. interject. For those of you that don't know, because if you're not a wrestling fan, so Dan's character, he was a motivational speech, uh, motivational speaker. And he, he was all about life advice. So DCR were principles. It was dedication, confidence, and respect. Yep. So DCR, that everything stood for something. Um, and he'd come out with pamphlets, and he's telling everybody, like, you know, basically everyone sucks. You need to better your life. Here's the, how you make Brittany it better. Mike, I have the hoverboard. I have it all. Yeah, he came out. It was very pompous, just very, like, very hateable. Played the character great. I mean, like, if his goal was to be hated. It was mission accomplished. He did it so well. Uh, like I said, it was really funny when he would come out. I just, I would boo the shit out of him and like everybody, it was just so much fun. So, uh, just a quick recap on what exactly his, his character was for those of you that didn't know, but go ahead. I'm sorry. And then like, so me and Hornswoggle never had like a finish of our story because like we never had like a breakup like moment or anything like that. Never like a fuck you, Dan, you're the worst. Yeah. He ended up wrestling Britt Baker, who's in AEW now in a no rules match. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) The uh, she can work on my teeth anytime she wants to. Hey, she's a dentist. Come on, exactly. The uh, so like they had that match. Then we, me and Swaggle, never really had like a moment where like we broke up or anything. And then randomly they announced me versus him for uh, AIW Russell Rager, mm-hmm. and that is at a skeevy bar in Cleveland, in the alley where you put like three to four hundred people in this like tight little space where the locker room is a U-Haul in the back alley. The cops come every year because someone calls the cops even though we get a permit to shut the street down. Like, it was an entire, like, absolute, like, almost like a festival. Like, and it was all day. Like, we had bands. We had everything. So, it was... I think I've seen pictures of that on, like, Facebook and Instagram. It looked fun. We never went 100%. to it. 100%. Yeah, we didn't go to it. And I forgot exactly what happened. Like, I couldn't make it to any of them anytime, but it always looked fun. Is that one where Sandman was there? One yeah. Of okay. That, that was that... I believe... Uh, no, that was... This, that was Russell Rager 2 was with Sandman. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing those. And then Russell Rager 3, that was the one where I, me and Swaggle wrestled. And that that show is like, we, you can do glass. You can do anything you want. And I brought in a whole bunch of weapons I bought. And Swaggle looked at me and he goes, what, what, what are we going to do with those? I said, you're going to hit me with them. <laughs> yeah, what do you All think? of them. <laughs> like, I, if you don't want to do anything, you don't have to. Like, I want, like this is what you're going to beat the shit out of me. And, like, it ended up being a really, really good match where, like, other wrestlers came up to me and said, like, I don't, they don't think that match could have been any better. And, like, the no crowd shit. was super into it. And we were in the crowd. They were throwing fans at me, like, using them <laughs> as weapons. Like, it was awesome. That's awesome. I got skewered, which I was cool. Hey, it happens to everybody once. All right, so next question was favorite person you ever interacted with so, in the business. So, Little Guido's awesome. I, He's I, possibly like one I of my favorites, um, but I think my favorite person ever to interact with, just like to talk to about, like in real life or something like that, was Eddie Kingston for sure. Okay, it was like the one night I was like at home and I got a random phone call from a number I did not have on my phone, and I answer it. And it's Yo, Doctor Dan. 
And I'm like, okay, this is only one person. <laughs> it's like, get in the car, come to Steve's, pick us up. We're going out. And then we ended up being out in the flats till like four in the morning at this random bar that uh, ring announcer Steve Guy worked at. No shit. And we were just there like until they literally kicked us out of the building. But we were just there drinking all night. He just invited you just for the night yeah, out. He was like, like, come on, Dan, let's go. All right, like, that's all awesome. Hell yeah. But Eddie, like, Eddie he seems like that kind of guy. Definitely like, a fan favorite for sure. Definitely yeah. a personal favorite for most of our friend group. Yeah. Uh, we ragged on him a lot. He brought the Sinbad posters, stuff like that, just to rag on him. The fa- My favorite moment with him was when Dan brought the two posters. So <laughs> my buddy writes us, uh, writes us, makes a sign that Dan, says Sinbad. Ahead. It says Sinbad uh, and has a picture of Sinbad on it because it looks like Eddie Kingston. Kingston walks by. He's a heel. He's acting like he kind of doesn't see it. Then he quickly grabs it, rips it up, and he's thinking like, fuck yeah, I showed him. Walks away. Dan has a second one, identical poster, pulls it up, hangs it right back up. <laughs> Kingston did nothing about that one. There was, you can't go back from that. It was just such a good moment. So much fun. And, like, a majority of these moments are all on camera. Yeah. And they're all documented. So it's so funny, like, when I forget, like, what sign you guys held up. But then referee Jake Clemens literally, like, got upset. Oh, that was uh, that was Dan's lose weight oh, man. for Sing. Oh. And he's like, why the fuck would you bring that? And, like, I just remember, like... They have Jake's expression on camera when I watch that show back. Like I would watch every show back. I wonder how many how many shows it took for them to realize that we were friends <laughs> we with were, them. And we were those people that like they we were just those there, like, people that around. were just it's assholes. Funny. And we'd always get the front row. And, and we always were to, camera side. We always tried to make yeah, sure we knew yeah. where we were sitting. It was fucking perfect. Yeah, it was I wonder so how long fun. it took for them to be like, Dan, you, you gotta talk to yeah. your friends. <laughs> I, I never I never got told like, hey, because they will never tell anyone to like calm it down. But there were just so many like Eventually, people, like, remember, if I'm like, hey, do you guys, like, remember, like, my friends and, like, Dominic Greeny would be like, oh, yeah, like, Justin and, like, your cousin and Kyle that would, like, sit in the front row because I would talk about you guys. Yeah. And he would be like, oh, yeah, like, I haven't seen him in a while. Like, they're going to come to this show? I'm like, yeah, they're coming to J-Lit. He's like, oh, okay. Like, I'll make sure I, like, I say hi if I run into him. Yeah, I always say hi to them. It was, like, stuff like that. Like, people knew. And, like, the good thing is, like, you guys ended up, like, meeting other fans, kind of. Like, at least you guys, like, knew each other. So, like, if you would see each other, like, outside of wrestling or something, you could like. I kind of recognize that guy. What's up, dude? And that happens with like with wrestlers. I mean, obviously, like they're 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 just indie wrestlers, so it's not like people are like you know household names or anything like that. But like when I see people you wrestled with in public, I say what's up. Like a lot of them remember me. Like yeah. I see, uh, you're not hard to Eddie, forget. Man. Eddie only, and like even Dom. Like every time I see him, I say what's up, and like we remember each other and stuff. So it is pretty cool to just like how real the people are. You watch them perform, and it's incredible. That's what it's 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 such a talent that they're acting and being athletic as fuck at the same time. And they're just normal people. Like with, me, a lot crazy, of them have day the jobs and stuff. Like is, it's just so cool. To me, the crazy part is how many people we were this close to that are now on on TV making that money. One hundred percent. Remember Gargano, Candice, all these Dan other wrestlers. Dan and Phil and then made Candice, uh, LeRae, and and Johnny Gargano hug me at shows and stuff. Yeah. And then now they're two of the biggest names in NXT. Well, that's like <laughs> if you look back, like my first like big match in AIW when I did that six way scramble, I won. I re- Ruby Riot was in it. Then Heidi oh, I forgot about Heidi that. Loveless. Yeah, I won. Yeah. You so, beat like, her. I technically was AIW Women's Champion. Yes, I, I agree with that. Belt. I and put it on your Wikipedia when, page. And then when Shayna Baszler won and beat uh, Heidi for the belt, I instantly was like, "Nope, don't want it. Yeah, don't want it at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm good." I don't like, blame you on that one. She would fuck you up. Shayna terrified me. She was so cool, but yeah, terrified the shit out of me. Yeah, some de- definitely some cool stuff. Um, and then the last question was your. Favorite moment. My favorite moment. Again, doesn't have to necessarily necessarily be in the ring. Oh, uh, my favorite moment is a two parter uh, with Scott Steiner. Okay. Uh, so I wrestle him in like you know, like almost a culmination of a 
storyline. It was like managing Ethan Page. He had like a problem with Matt Justice, but like Ethan Page was reluctant. And he finally turned heel. Mm-hmm. So like we're okay. We're starting to cook the storyline a little bit. Okay. So Matt Justice, you know, like we finally turn on him, and then the special guest for this certain show was Scott Steiner. So Big Papa Pump comes out. He wrestle. It's like a pretty short match, but he does like the math. Uh, Scott Steiner math promo. He, <laughs> he hits all of the like the checkpoints of like what you want to do, except the Frankensteiner, which I mean we were sad about, but I mean I didn't expect him to do it on the show. Our friend Summers, he loves the Scott Steiner math promo. We watch that probably every time we get together. We watch some sort of thanks to the the Instagram account. Give them a shout out, Russell Botch. They post some of the funniest shit, whether it be a botched wrestling move, a botched wrestling promo, whatever. Uh, this, they used to do Steiner, well, they do Psycho Sid Saturdays now, but they used to do, like, Scott Steiner fuck-ups on the mic and everything, and the math promo is easily one of my favorite things. We oh, YouTube that. Awesome. We YouTube that at least once a time, once every time I see Summers. So, like, that night, so we wrestle him, and my favorite part is my music's playing, and I have, like, a pretty long intro. I have, like, a full Michael Jackson, like, yeah. man in the mirror, plus a motivational speaker intro, so I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, trying to get myself in the zone. I'm on the hoverboard, and I'm just, like get myself ready, and I just hear Scott Steiner go, Hey, kid, there's a chair out there. I'm going to hit you with it. All right, cool. See you out there, Scott. You can just hit the curtain good. Like, right you, there. You don't have a second to like think or to talk about it. You have no. to go. That's how it is. It's bang, bang. And then so I think like almost a year later, I pick him up going to Alpha One. He was on an Alpha One show, and Ethan Page was like, Hey, go pick Scott Steiner up in Buffalo and drive him to the show. You don't have to drive him back home. I'm like, all right, no problem. So I go pick up Scott Steiner at the airport, knowing this man loves a Cracker Barrel. Okay. So I already have... because he's jacked, so... <laughs> he eats the same thing. When Wes Barkley picked him up from the airport, they ate it uh, for AIW. He ate Cracker Barrel twice in the same day. <laughs> same meal, same everything. Hey, the man knows what he likes. He ate, and, like, chicken and dumpling, like, you know, dumplings and chicken, and I think, like, a salad or something. Okay. But he, like, ate the same thing every hey, time. Hey, he knows what he likes. It's like five chicken breasts or something, like whatever it was. So I already have it queued up in my phone. It's like three miles away. Like Scott Steiner. I'm like, hey, Scotty, Nick. And he's like, oh, you're a kid from Cleveland. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so throw his bags in the car. We get in. I'm like, there's a Cracker Barrel, like 3.8 miles away. Let's go. He's like, all right. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's it's 1030 in the morning. Scott is ready for some chicken breast and dumplings. That's awesome. So we go, and it is a 35-minute wait. And we can't wait that long. So we end up going to a Denny's. And we're sitting there, and we're eating, and it's like me, him, and uh, Terrell Kenneth, who's a wrestler in Buffalo. We're sitting there talking, and he goes, I love doing this shit. Watch this. I'm like, oh, fuck. What is he going to do? <laughs> yeah. And Scott Steiner grabs the waiter and goes, hey, you know who this guy is? And he points at me. And like here I am, like kind of pudgy, like balding ginger dude. And he goes, <laughs> dude's a porn star. Huge hog. <laughs> well, I'm his manager. And the guy... Doesn't know if Scott Steiner's fucking with him, but, like, this giant jack dude is, like, pointing at me like, he's got a big dick. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I didn't know whether to laugh or, like... Or to just like, to own it and, like, I go play had along. No, I, I was laughing so hard internally, but outside, <laughs> I had no idea what to do. Like, But, like, just, like, the randomness of that story is the best. That is pretty good. So, it, does he get... Did, did, did Scott Steiner get recognized, really, or... Not, like... Not really, okay. like, but also like we're at a Denny's in Buffalo on a right. Sunday Right, and he's kind of at... been out of the limelight for yeah, twenty not, years like, now. Unless or like so. a wrestling fan would know who like right. someone like that is, but also if he's got a hat on and glasses and he's okay. like not like he's obviously not like wearing a chainmail headdress there, right. but okay, it goes. But my favorite toilet paper story. So I, can, um, I was at Revenge in Erie, PA. 
mm-hmm. for a rumble. I was in Philly the night before, and I drove all day to get to the show in Erie. So I'm there, and the bathroom and everything is outside of the... Because it's at a hotel, like the okay. one you guys did. Yeah. So it's the hotel, like the ring and everything is in a ballroom, and then everything else is outside of the hotel. So like the bar, the food, everything is outside of the ballroom. So I walk out, and there's like four Cleveland fans that drove from Cleveland Erie to see this show, and they see me, and I'm like, God damn like, <laughs> What are man? the odds? And so I'm like... Like, you know, quiet guys. Like, I go to the bathroom. I, like, go to my car, come back. I get back inside. I come out for the rumble at, like, whatever spot I had in the rumble. And they shower me with toilet paper. Like, <laughs> like it made like it made all these other, like, local eerie people think I was such more of a big deal than I was. That's kind of cool. Like, but you it was, following. like, these random Cleveland fans. And I found out they literally saw me. And they called one of their friends still driving there. They're, like, value pack of toilet paper. Pick it up. Dude, that's awesome. So it was and like, that's that's so cool is like that you made that imprint of I mean obviously it's toilet paper so it's to anybody else they think like how stupid but to us and like people that know wrestling like that's funny as fuck and like that's so cool that these people saw you and they're just like instantly like get the toilet paper that guy's here like we have to have toilet paper like that's such a cool thing. My favorite is though like people would take it home because like only like half the roll would be like thrown out so yeah like, so you just pick it up and it's still uh, Philly good. And, uh, Philly Collins and Marino Tanaglia or like the Weird World would take it home. And just use it. They'd be yeah. like, thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's perfectly good toilet paper. We're, we're helping serve the world's asses by throwing paper. And this was pre-COVID, so paper, toilet paper was very expendable. You just throw it wherever you wanted. Now it's it was, like gold. I mean, Yeah, it was before it was such a hot commodity. Back then, you could throw it around for, for whatever. I had a tweet like that sitting in my drafts forever. Like, don't you all wish you would have kept all that toilet paper? But, yeah, I just, I mean. It, yeah, it's too late now. It would have been good. time. Eh. It's always the time. It's always the time. There's no such thing. Too soon doesn't exist in my world, as you guys know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I want to thank the episode's not over, people. I don't want you to think that, but I just want to thank Dan Romer for or Rockingham, whatever. Hold on. For, I want to do one question before we oh, change it. Oh, my While bad. We're on wrestling. I just want to go around the room here because we've oh, all yeah, watched yeah. it. Top three wrestlers of all time, in your opinion. Let's start with. I'll, you go first. I'll go second. We'll let Romer go last. Um, me personally, uh, obviously, Attitude Era was my shit. It's tough. I mean, Stone Cold's my number one. That's a no-brainer. Uh, number two is probably Randy Orton. I've always been a big Randy Orton fan for some Scary reason. Scary Snake Man. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of him. Three is tough because I really like Kevin Owens, but he's kind of newer. But back in like the 90s, I mean, I was a huge fan of a bunch of wrestlers. I mean, I loved Kane. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Fuck. There's so many good wrestlers that I like. Three is going to be tough. I don't even know if I can come up with a name for three. I guess just for shits and giggles to get it over or to like to, just to make the list. I would probably go Kevin Owens because mm-hmm. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. Yeah. It's kind of ironic that all three of my favorite wrestlers have very similar finishing moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, I think that's another one of my cool, like, but I liked, of the ring moments. I liked Kevin Owens for with the Papa Powerbomb before he started stealing Stone Cold Stunner. I want that on the record. He, he couldn't do the Papa Powerbomb anymore. So I know. It's good. annoying. It's such the, a great uh, move. I ended up having dinner with Kevin Owens. Oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, he's down to earth as he seems awesome. to be. He's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he seems, like, he, like, he always, like, tweets about AIW, like, randomly. Him, him and Biggins, like, he loved Chandler, and Chandler loved him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was really cool. Like, the day of the Royal Rumble, he wore Biggins' shirt, like, tribute shirt. And he tried to come to, I believe he tried to, like, come to a show or something to, like, help, like, you know, some, like, expenses for the family. Or, like, he always was, like, that guy trying to, like, give back because, like, AIW was one of the independent places in the U.S. right before he got signed he was coming to. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it was, like, cool to go to dinner with him. Like, me and Dom went after a house show in Canton. 
we ended up like going and like having dinner with him at a, a random Denny's or a Waffle House or something. It's fucking awesome. Funny Kevin Owens story. It's well documented. The time that he invited a fan into the ring because he didn't think the fan would actually get in the ring, and then he did. He kicked him or he pushed yeah. him and kicked him yeah. out of the ring. Kicked his ass. Because he's like talking shit to the fans. Like, go ahead, get in the ring. Then and the fan actually legit got in the ring, and then it was all downhill for the fan. Down. Yeah, don't don't ever hop the guardrail. That's yeah. That's when trespassing, it, first of all, you're. It's a felony. When a professional wrestler encourages you to hop the fence, don't do it. Because were you at the it's a trap. The Lake show <laughs> when that. Happened? happened no i don't think so at, think. at tequila jacks or at um music links whatever We've it's been called. To the show i went to a couple jacks. at tequila jacks i don't remember a, a guy fan. like hopped the rail and tried to get in the ring and like tom dunn had to stop him no i don't think i was there for that one yeah the ref, i don't think like, the ref literally had to, like, i know dundertaker yeah yeah i just want to make sure that people know out there the dundertaker Dundertaker. he's awesome it's a great nickname that's funny um my top three uh number one for me is the rock um only because he not only is he just as entertaining I think that he did a lot for transitioning how that business is. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is Stone Cold, obviously, because staple horse of back in the hundred percent. I like for me when you like think of wrestling in the nineties, like Stone Cold is like the number one person. I think like most people think of. He was like he was the face of wrestling, and that's at least to me. Maybe yeah. maybe I was too young to really know or not, but to me, he was the face of the well, Attitude he's Era. He's the what like, he's what brought it from the Hogan Era into yeah. the. He turned it into something into new, the, and you they gave him the ball and ran with it. Yeah. He was and my, awesome. And my third one was, it's a tie. It's either between Shawn Michaels or Daniel Bryant, both of them. Because okay. I love how both of them are in the ring, perform, the technicality that both of them have, but just the overall entertainment of both of them is, is amazing when they're in the ring. See, and my this, brother the was... The storytelling uh, ability with Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryant both, like they yeah. really put their all into telling a whole entire story. My brother, time. his favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels. So as a mm-hmm. kid, we were very competitive. So like the things he liked, I hated. So like, for instance, he was a Shaq fan. So he liked the Lakers. I hated the Lakers because he liked them. Like we just were very competitive that way. Like wait, wait, you just don't like things out of spite? Yes. Oh no way. Yeah, who saw that coming? Never. Have you met him before? So yeah. like my brother loved the Red Ranger and Power Rangers. I hated the Red Ranger because He's all of that. Green Ranger. Like we're just very like that's just how I am. I'm a competitive like. Wait, did you hate Jason or Rocky or just both? Um, mostly Jason. Okay, all right, fair enough. Because Rocky ended up becoming like third string on the leadership. Yeah, no, I, I didn't watch. We weren't like I watched a lot of Power Rangers when it was new, and then I kind of gave up on it as it got a little progressive, like that. Like as it, as it progressed, I should say. Um, but yeah, so like my brother likes Shawn Michaels. I like Stone Cold. So fuck Shawn Michaels. I always hated him because of that. So like in a wrestling video game, I would pick again. I would fight against Shawn Michaels all the time and just beat the hell out of him out of just pure spite. That's just how I was. I'm a spiteful person. <laughs> he like I said, he loved Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers. And uh, I mean, he obviously got the upper hand because I'm an Iverson fan. But when the Lakers played the Sixers in the finals that year, I was so fucking was mad on. that Iverson lost. I was so mad that my brother's team and favorite players won. But uh but yeah, sorry for interrupting. No, no, I was just... say my, my, the reason why Shawn Michaels is up there for me is because what t- what gave it, what solidified it for me was his storytelling with The Undertaker over multiple WrestleManias and multiple years of like Undertaker and Shawn one, two, and three. They put on hell of a hell of a match, both of them. And yeah, and Shawn was an asshole back in the day when he when he dropped the belt for for Austin. We all knew the story behind it. You know, right. Back then, if you were a fan, you knew it was because of spite and he was injured. And, mm-hmm. and back then, he had some issues. But his comeback story, he came back in the ring, he wrestled again, and he still put on great matches at his older age. Mm-hmm. He got smacked across the head a couple times lately, but that's why yeah, he sees one way and the other way. But, I mean, still, it's it's he's a hell of a wrestler and always yeah. will be. Hearing the stories from like some of the guys that are at the Performance Center, 
and like being in Shawn Michaels' class, like they'll watch film and stuff with him, and sometimes they'll make Shawn Michaels like I'm like I've heard like they make him watch his own matches, and sometimes he's like oh, I don't even remember the I don't remember that match at all. I'm sure no he's shit. So yeah, he was back he was pulled up pretty pretty good. Well, it's from like what that, but you think how many matches that guy had? Like over oh that too. Years. Like you're like, not gonna you're not gonna be able to remember like oh yeah this was in Denver or, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like I don't know. The best Shawn Michaels story is the match against Hulk Hogan. If you ever get a chance to watch SummerSlam, I think 2007, when he oversells no, it was the, oh, oh, 05. Oh, was it 05? Oversells the shit out of every move that Hogan does. I don't know if I saw it. For it, me, my best Shawn Michaels, my favorite Shawn Michaels story is that he put it in Sonny's butt. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah. Back in the 90s. But yeah. anyway, back to actual wrestling. <laughs> right. Rumor, what's your top three? All right, so my favorite wrestler of all time is Eddie Guerrero. Oh, goes, yeah. That man was like... Like, like a lot of like my guys, you'll like that I watched, especially because like if you like would know see how I performed, like a lot of those guys like they could do like the technical like super like technical stuff. Most of them could like high fly, right? But then you have like the character aspect or like the the gimmick of like when Eddie Guerrero was like Latino Heat and he was like you know doing the stuff with China. Because I went back and watched like all of two thousand for the right to censor angle. Mm-hmm. So I, cause like that was like a lot of like what my gimmick was based off of like CB Richards, like being like, this is for your own good. We're not letting profanity be I on television. I forgot about that. He used to come out and so, like, like censor. I would, shirt yeah, yeah. And I would watch that. And like, cause like a couple people told me to watch that, like that whole storyline. So I ended up watching like almost every raw SmackDown and pay-per-view in 2000. I never so, even put that correlation together. That actually makes a lot of sense. Now I didn't that you know say that. I never, I never even thought of that. Learning something new on the podcast yeah. here. And uh, like that was like one of like the cool like things to watch. But like watching Eddie, because that storyline like blended a lot. Because I'm pretty sure like it correlated at the time. Like she was going to Playboy, and Eddie didn't want her to. So mm-hmm. it was like a whole breakdown of like Eddie was turning heel and China, like everyone wanted to see China, but Eddie wouldn't let him. So like just like the character aspect of like I Eddie looked. then wasn't impressed, but I looked. <laughs> <laughs> She's a bigger dick than me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ad. Sorry. RIP. Okay. <laughs> and then the um and then like later on in Eddie's career when he did the stuff like with Chavo when he was on SmackDown, like with the lion cheating and stealing. Mm-hmm. And then when he was the big old baby face, cause that was the first time I like actually watched wrestling, like watched it, watched it. Yeah. It was when Eddie won the belt like that, for, that, that SmackDown. So when he came home and like, when he, like when he like not came, when he was in like, I think it was like San Diego or something. When he won the belt, it was like, they had like this big whole like homecoming for him. And like, I was like, Oh wow, this is fucking sweet. Like they're really helping. Like they're like, that's what like grabbed me was like this dude came out in like a low rider and he was like yeah that's pretty champion badass. I remember and everything that. like it was cool like just to see that talking um, about a body transformation from if, WCW to WWE for Eddie big Guerrero. time if I can interject really quick before yeah. you do two and three on your list one guy that, that, that that's a close fourth I would say maybe he almost made my top three and it's somebody that I ha- I didn't appreciate while he was actually wrestling it's it's after he he quit that I became a fan CM Punk okay yeah personally I didn't like him. Um, I thought the straight edge thing, I didn't understand like the purpose of anybody being straight edge. I thought that was kind of lame. Um, a lot of people at the time were saying like, he's the new stone cold. And I was, that's when I was also like, I'm spiteful. I like stone cold to me. No one will ever be better than stone cold. So when people say this guy could be the next stone cold, no, fuck that guy. That's kind of how I was with like Dean Ambrose. Some people yeah. like half-assed jokingly to me were like, oh, he's the next Stone Cold because he wrestles in jeans or something like that. I'm like, no, fuck that guy. He's a loser. I hated CM Punk when he actually wrestled because I, I also didn't really watch at all. Like I never watched wrestling around that era. But since he quit, I got the WWE Network at one point. I don't have it. I haven't had it in a while. But uh, I went back and watched like most of his matches, documentaries. Like I learned so much about CM Punk and I was like, 
I fucking wish I would have watched when this guy was actually doing that, it because it seems like he was awesome. Like that Summer of Punk angle they did with him like leaving with the WWE title. That was like so well in designed. comparison like the one they did in ROH for him leaving to go to WWE. Yeah. That was like so like in hindsight looking at it, it was like so much better but like the way that like they let it long term play out and the way that it ended like that was like a really cool thing and like they yeah. replicated it in WWE and it was still a really at the time it was still a really cool angle. People legit thought that he was leaving with the title oh really you thought no way that he was gonna win that championship yeah and he, I, I, he I put just, the belt in his fridge did you know that it took a no. picture of in the fridge yeah. I, I wish i would have watched then and like appreciated him while he was actually doing it instead of obviously it's too late now he's done i don't think he'll ever come back at this point i think that's i mean legit his safe pop, to say his pipe bomb night that he had i watched that all the time but what he was saying at the time if you're a casual fan you're like oh my god yeah he's really like he's saying he's gonna get fired yeah like he's he's, he's done. letting it rip like this is crazy <laughs> like there's no way that anyone would let him say that nowadays people are like oh we all knew i just uh, i just wanted to get that off my chest so go ahead dan wow, i'm sorry you didn't admitted you like cm punk I have CM Punk shirts and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm it's very. It's just like the, I felt the earth shake. A very little. open about it. Very open. Big CM Punk fan. I, I every every Royal Rumble, I pray that he's one of the surprise guys to come back. And and when people tweeted him that he needs to come back, I wish one of these times, even if it's with fucking AEW, I don't care where he goes. I just want this guy to get back in the ring so I can enjoy him a little bit before it's too late. He's probably lost a couple of steps or two. Well, I don't know. You I mean, he did you, if you look at like how Christian did, all of a sudden, like seven years later, no bumps or anything. He's yeah, back. Christian looks like he's more healthy True. now than he ever has been. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, CM Punk is just too prideful to ever come back because he quit the business. I thought he'd go do UFC. And, he's not you know. that prideful. He took on a contract with Fox that's paired with WWE. He's not that prideful. Right, but I don't know. I mean, I I, I thought that was a good sign, a good step in the right WWE direction. But I hope so. I mean, obviously the UFC thing didn't work out. I mean, that was a fucking joke. That was embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> this fight was in Cleveland. Yeah, it it should it shouldn't have been fight. televised. That's how bad he was. It didn't deserve to be anywhere, even promoted. Uh, it should have been in Cleveland, but in like a, ba- a basement somewhere that nobody saw it. That's where that fight should have been because that's his talent level. There is a market for basement wrestling, but that's a whole other subgenre. <laughs> we don't have time to get into. What's your number two? Number two, um. I would say, I would say there's a redacted guy, but I can't say that because I still watch a lot of his matches. But I would say number two would probably be uh, Ric Flair, just because the way that like. Were you gonna say Benoit? I said no, redacted. Oh, sorry. I've 100. You could just you could say Benoit on the show. We we like uh, Chris Benoit was framed. He was actually murdered. Uh, he didn't kill anybody. Sullivan killed him. <laughs> yep, Kevin Sullivan. Oh my God. I stand by that. Innocent until proven guilty. And as far as I know, there hasn't been a trial. So Chris Benoit is innocent. <laughs> Oh my God! The Bowflex uh, wrapped itself around someone's. Yeah, neck, he so. he couldn't have done that himself. Even Absolutely. a even a rabid Wolverine can't hang themselves that way. Oh my God! <laughs> so Benoit's your number two. Talk about Benoit. I mean, it sucks <laughs> that you're never gonna see rest the end of WrestleMania 20. That was the best like ending of a WrestleMania I think of all time. Was yeah. him and Eddie in the ring with the belt at the same like holding it up at the end. Yeah, like two friends like hugging it out. But yeah, like Flair, it goes, I mean, it's documented now on like that 30 for 30 they did for him. That was everything. a great documentary. It goes, but just like how, like all like the matches he had and like if you go through like all like the matches he had with like the guys in WCW and everything all the way through from like, you know, when he started to like when he like even like some of his later matches in WWE, like also like the weird bizarre matches, like they had Ric Flair bleeding on ECW, like randomly yeah. in like 2007. It's like some of these like matches like didn't make sense, but like no matter what he like 
he was captivating. And now if you look at pop culture, like how many of these different people, Oh, how many people quote Ric Flair yeah, and, and woo all like every sporting event in the world when it, when it's full capacity, riding. people woo. And like, yeah, he's a pop culture icon, I would say. And like that, like that's a guy that he didn't transcend everything at that time where he was like the biggest star. He wasn't like the rock when the rock at the end, when he was still actively performing and, being like a movie star or being like, you know, like budding into that, like big, like biggest right. blockbuster guy ever. But like flair, like slowly over time, like his presence was kept. Everyone knew him. Like everyone was like talking about how great of like a, you know, performer and like a cultural icon he was. And all of a sudden, like now he's probably bigger than he ever was. And he probably hasn't stepped foot in a ring since he left TNA. True. Yeah. All right. Number three, number three, Mick Foley. Okay. Now, Mick Foley, all characters. Yeah. Included. All, yeah, characters all included. Mick Foley. Okay. His because whole collective if, if work. You, if you look at like the crazy like exploding ring deathmatch stuff he did in Japan where he was in like King of the Death or if he like he literally had like the the biggest spectrum of stuff in his whole career cuz like he did the comedy stuff with Dude Love he like uh. was like they brought Cactus Jack and all these people treated it like it was a big deal when he came and wrestled Triple H in that match yeah like everything was like just so well built and the story that um JR always talks about is that like Vince? Like he was trying to hire him, trying to hire him, trying to hire him, and Vince is like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you hire him because I want you to know how it feels to get your heart broken by a performer." And he brought him in, and Mick Foley was probably the MVP of that company. From like he was, he was one of the forever. biggest names in, in WWF at the time, yeah. And then even like some of his last matches, like when he wrestled Randy Orton in that match at Backlash, yeah. it's like that hardcore match was insane. And that like, is something like I, I agree with that. Like at the time, again, because I was a stupid kid, I was like, you know. 10 years old or less when I was watching the Attitude Era. So I'm watching it, and because I was such a Stone Cold fan, I hated all the other wrestlers. I hated I hated The Rock. I hated Kane and The Undertaker. I hated Mick Foley because they weren't Stone Cold. I didn't want to watch these guys beat Stone Cold. I hated them. I, I took wrestling very serious. Like, I understood it was fake and all that, but still, like, I didn't want to see anybody other than Stone but Cold did win. did you know it was No, 100%. Fake? I just, okay. I hated seeing other people win. I, every night, I'm like, if Stone Cold's in a match, he should win. And when he didn't win, I was pissed off. So... I didn't, he was another one, like Mick Foley, like I've gone back and rewatched matches and fucking incredible. The things that guy did to his body, it's insane. Lost his fucking ear, like getting thrown off the hell in the cells and shit like that. Like that's insane, amazing shit that that guy put his body through his, just for entertainment. His storylines, his stories. And I think with, he's a very underrated wrestler. I think like oh, yeah. he should be on most people's like Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. And I, I honestly think he's probably overlooked by a lot of people, which his, is a shame. His stories with The Rock, with Austin. Those the matches, Rock and Sock connection. The Rock and Sock connection <laughs> well, was either and like dude love was with stone cold yeah yeah like, i goes, forgot and, about like, that people like all the time like but that's like the thing like these performers that have like sneakily good stuff that like you're like oh yeah mcfoley was good he like did all that crazy hardcore stuff then you but really think about you the look whole at, like, body of work yeah and the way that they like melded all three or all four basically four characters into one person yeah where like that really doesn't happen anymore but that was like the reason he was such like a dynamic guy I remember yeah. that documentary he did, and he was talking with this, the match. The Beyond with the, the Map movie? No, no, it was something else. It was something different. Well, not that okay. one. That one, I didn't. The one with the, the match with The Rock, where he was handcuffed. Mm. And I remember before the match, The Rock was talking to him about the match playing out, and he's like telling The Rock, no, just hit me in the head with the chair. And The Rock's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. yes. And the fa his family was there. His kids were there. Yep. And I remember that match, he got hit in the head like four or five times. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable shots with his hands handcuffed behind his back mm -hmm. and just took him. And the Rock, I mean, every time you see, you saw the Rock like like wince a Cringing little bit, a little you know. Bit. <laughs> but he took him, and then he got yeah. back backstage, and everyone just make sure he's okay. But Jesus Christ, man! I mean, yes, wrestling's fake, but tell me what other person is going to take that many unprotected chair shots to the head? 
and I mean, obviously they do it now for, for concussion purposes and safety reasons and health of the wrestlers, but nowadays they don't do that anymore. There's no more headshots in wrestling, at no. least in, in like WWE and like professional well, stuff. For like, like weapons, but like most of the time, like, I mean, peeling back the curtain or whatever, but like independent wrestlers, most of us don't like, unless you're a crazy person. And I know a handful of them. Yeah. There are, don't get me like, wrong. There are probably a few that are willing I, to take. I love and... Matt justice to death, but when the entire, you know, a crowd of 600 people cringe, cause he's just taking unprotected chair shots to the dome. It's like, no one's comfortable with They're that. They're cringing for a reason because like, we know what it's doing to you. I got hit by an unprotected chair shot once, and the the guy asked one more, and the crowd in unison went, "No." Yeah, because nobody wants to see that. And it was it's just everyone knows the risk of it. So like yeah. looking back at that now, being like, "Holy!" Like yeah, they, he fucking ruined that man. Yeah, hundred percent. It's I mean, you watch it even on backplay now, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like I can't imagine. Because after the match, the Rock came up to him and behind stage. They showed it. He's like, I mean, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm so 100%. sorry. And but it, that was one hell of a match that those two put on. Yeah. The back in the day, you know. Yeah, Mick I mean, Foley's another one, kind of like CM Punk to me. Where like, obviously, I watched everything Mick Foley did because I watched religiously in the Attitude Era. But now that it's all said and done, I can go back and really watch and be like, holy shit, just great stuff. Yeah, his, his as dude love his jokes and his his skits he used to do. And he was hilarious. He was funnier than you, you give credit for it. Hundred percent. The dancing was the one dancing of my favorite he used things. To do. He used to bring out skits and like do game shows and yep. stuff with people. Like you know, <laughs> here's a person from your history. You know, it's, it was it was. Hilarious. This is your life. This is your life. Yeah. The worst seg- the worst segment of all time. Yeah. Debatable. It was hilarious. Uh, the most recent one that they did, I think, with Bailey was like I think the one that was like. This is the worst segment of all time. Like people voted on it or whatever. Which but one? It was rough. McFoley like came back and did another. This is your life with. Oh, they, I didn't even rough. see it. I didn't even if see I, it. Like if I remember. Well, great list, boys. Uh, obviously, mine's the only correct one, but great list nonetheless. Um, <laughs> with that being said, now I will say the thank you to Dan Romer, Dan Rockingham, for being on the show uh, and for doing all this with us and for going down a trip down wrestling lane that we've yet to really delve into on the show because, again, we don't really watch wrestling that much anymore. Uh, but hopefully that changes soon. We'll see. With that being said, let's get into the bread and butter. While you're why you all are still here, while why you're listening, NFL. Obviously, this is a Cleveland-based show. We try to talk about a little bit of everything, so we, we'll do what we can. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to talk about the Browns, free agency, upcoming targets. We'll be pretty quick because we are running kind of long here, and we we do have some things to do tonight. We do have a bachelor party to go to. Um. Male strippers, baby. Yes, we're going to Thunder from Down Under. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of Australian hogs bouncing in our faces, and I as, can't wait. As my uncle said, Dan, are you going to the sword fighting party tonight? Yes. I said, yes, I am. The that, sausage that party. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so really quickly, one thing I want to talk about the last time we recorded on the stereo app, that was right when AJ, or, uh, J.J. Watt was released, and there was a lot of speculation that Cleveland could be a team on his radar. J.J. Watt came out and said some of the things he's looking for for his next suitor are going to be uh, great quarterback. Um, I forgot how everything he was saying he wanted, like a, a Super Bowl contending team. He had this high list of things, which obviously, if you look on, on the outside, was a pretty narrow group of teams that could possibly fit that scenario. A lot of people thought Green Bay would have made a lot of sense. He's from the Wisconsin area, went to school at Wisconsin, playing for Green Bay. They have a great quarterback. They obviously are a Super Bowl contender because they were one win away from being in the Super Bowl. So you kind of think like, okay, that makes sense. A lot of people thought maybe the Steelers because of his brother. But from my perspective, and not just because I'm a Browns fan that doesn't like the Steelers, 
I thought the Steelers are obviously not a real Super Bowl contender. Ben Roethlisberger, a lot of people weren't even sure if he was coming back this year, which he is, fortunately for Browns fans, because he sucks. Um, But the Steelers didn't make sense to me, but that was one of the teams that people thought of. Um, Then there was, you know, maybe Buffalo, maybe Tampa, just because he wants to get a ring. And that son of a bitch, lying, two-faced, cock-sucking, hasn't been healthy in five-year, piece-of-shit guy. He's really bad at swearing, too. I always hated him for that when they did hard knocks with the Texans. J.J. Uh, Watt would, like, try to pump the team up and swear a little bit. And it sounded like he was, like, like he'd never swore in his it's life. He's like a good Christian guy trying to get a curse word He out. really was. It was like he was like, fuck the camera around. Farfanugan. Yeah. Gosh darn. Why, why'd you miss that tackle on the, the, the guy fucking oh. this? And you're like, wait, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, he was just, he was so bad at it. Um. But with that being said, that piece of shit signed with the Arizona Cardinals of all teams. And Who again? Yeah, the Cardinals. The the team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. For a guy that says, they're, they're I want to go to a team. Yeah, they're up and coming, all right. You he know wants it's not to up play and coming? with a good quarterback and a solid team to make the chance to play, make the Super Bowl. Clearly, he signed with the right team. Yeah, instead he's playing with Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern Show at quarterback because Kyler Murray's about three feet tall, and he's playing with a team that didn't even make the fucking playoffs in one of the hardest divisions in football in the NFC West. The NFC West, assuming he's still on the team, has Russell Wilson, which, boom, puts the Seahawks ahead of the Cardinals, in my opinion, just based off him alone. Um, you have the Los Angeles Rams, who with that defense, was the number one defense in football, puts them ahead of the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, and they actually have a quarterback now. And then, yeah, and then they traded for Matthew Stafford, which we didn't even get to talk about, really. So they're obviously head and shoulders ahead of the Arizona Cardinals. And then you have the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who had a shitty year last year because of Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt. They had a lot of injuries, but when healthy, just a year removed from the Super Bowl themselves. Much better situations in that division, let alone the entire league, and he signed with... Arguably the fourth best team in a four-team division. But he wasn't signing. The money didn't bother him. Yeah, money doesn't matter. He just happened to sign with a team that didn't make the playoffs that offered him the most money. So he's a man of his word. He wants to just only win. He's just a piece of shit. You think he made enough money in Houston with all the bullshit he did behind the scenes? Uh, I, I, I personally, not to sound bitter, I couldn't be happier that the Browns didn't waste that kind of money on a guy who, again... I prefaced this multiple times when we talked about it when he got cut. He is not the J.J. Watt that you remember. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm glad we didn't sign them. I didn't want us to. Yeah. I'm kind of glad the Browns didn't, like, when, know, like give him everything just to have him sign him. Yeah, for a guy who hasn't been really healthy in five years. Uh, Pro Football Talk tweeted after he signed that between he, he and uh, Aaron Donald that the NFC West has, like, I forgot exactly how many it is, but they have like six of the last 10 defensive player of the year awards now. And I looked at it and I'm like, well, that's because Aaron Donald's won like three out of the last four or four out of the last five. I'm like, JJ Watt hasn't had one in like seven years. I think it was since I looked at the numbers. I'm like, right. How could you even put him up there? Like he's, he's a, he's a shell of his former self. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just like, I don't understand these fans that think JJ Watt's still some fucking incredible game changing player on a team that has, you know, miles Garrett or a team that has, uh, uh, Aaron Donald, JJ uh, Watt would make sense because it's yeah. a player like, that takes heat off have, of the main player. I'll give the Cardinals credit. They have Chandler Jones, who's a great pass rusher. So he's no slouch. Don't get me wrong. But I just look at overall team. I don't think the Arizona no, Card- I mean, Cardinals. Again, Cardinals didn't even make the playoffs. They're gaining one more win. Maybe. How do you leave a team like Houston, who obviously was one of the worst in football? They're in shambles. They're going through an, an entire transitional phase. Um, but how do you go from a team that didn't make the playoffs that sucked? To another team that, don't get me wrong, the Cardinals were like, I think the last game of the season, if the Cardinals would have won, they made the playoffs. It was something like that. Like, they Mm -hmm. were close to making the playoffs, but they didn't. How do you go from a team that didn't make the playoffs, get cut, 
tell everyone you're going to a contender and you sign with a team that also didn't make the playoffs. To me, that just makes you look like a hypocrite. Um, to me, I think maybe they never offered him anything. I, um, we'll never know. But maybe the uh, the Packers didn't offer him a fucking thing, and that's why he didn't go to Green I Bay. I want to feel like the, the Browns came in and said, okay, well, we know we're willing to offer this, and his agent's probably like, no, we have a current standing yeah. uh, offer what, of this, and the Browns are like, okay, bye. What I read was, yeah, the, the nobody offered more than the Cardinals. Yeah. So that just goes to show you that J.J. Watt was a liar when he said that he's looking for, you know, a Super Bowl chance and a team with a you know good foundation quarterback this and that he signed with whoever offered him the most money and I just think like financially sure do your thing bullshit this guy has so day, many so many so much things. money you yeah, know? yeah. at the end of the day though go fuck yourself like I, I I wish him nothing but the worst like that's just a shitty move why come out and act like you're some fucking holier than thou all about the team rah rah kind of thing maybe it's bitter grapes because he he you know he he got cut but at the same time he wasn't a from what I understand, he wasn't a cancerous teammate. He wasn't a bad locker room guy. So for the for the fact that there's people that have come out now since he's gone out of Houston and said, like, a lot of people didn't like him. Like, he was kind of a douchebag. He didn't run the right plays on defense. He was worried about his own stats and not the team. A lot of these kind of stories came out, and people were like, uh, I don't know if I believe that. Now that I think about it, it's like, you know, he didn't really leave on bad terms. So these stories coming out kind of make sense. It's not like he was like Deshaun Watson, who's currently like, fuck the Texans, I'm never playing for them. If stories came out about Watson, it makes sense. Well, sour grapes. There's bad blood. J.J. Watt, it seemed like it was pretty cordial. They were like, hey, you know, you're not getting any younger. We're going through a rebuild transition. Uh, we're going to grant you the opportunity to go wherever you want. So they did that. And then stories started coming out that, yeah, he was kind of a douchebag. And people didn't really like him. Um, again, he only was worried about himself. And then he signs with the Cardinals for the most money. And it's like, all right, that's a selfish type of move where you're only signing for the money. So kind of fitting. Happy the Browns didn't do it. Use that money elsewhere. You can get two or three defensive ends now, possibly to come in and play and to take up snaps and be productive for the team. So uh, with that being said, fuck J.J. Watt. He is on my list of people that I look forward to talking shit about regularly when the season starts. And every time he makes a mistake, uh, fuck him. I'm going to make fun of him about it uh, for it. So free agency looming. Obviously, the Browns have a ton of holes on defense. Um, Leaky. Very leaky. The secondary is (laughs) leaking. uh, Leaking like Mickey Calloway. Um, so yeah, we need everything Mick, we need. Mick, we, Mick, Mick. Assuming they come back healthy, I'm, I'm comfortable with Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison. Assuming he's healthy, I'm comfortable with Greedy Williams as, as, as a, as a corner opposite Denzel Ward. But at the same time, you need depth. The NFL is all about depth. Next man up. Uh, NFL stands for not for long. And we know that as Cleveland fans watching guys get hurt. So I still think we need a lot of depth. I know the Browns have been on record of saying they're going to try to bring back most of the people that they can from last season. That means guys like Kevin Johnson. That means guys like Malcolm uh, Smith. Um, I doubt Anderson Dayhill or Carl Joseph are on that radar, Um, but I would assume some of the other guys are. B.J. Goodson, I know they want to keep. Um, So they did just cut Adrian Claiborne. So our depth at defensive end is extremely thin. Right now, we pretty much only have Porter Gustin and Miles Garrett. So that's a huge hole, in think, my opinion. I don't think the cuts are done either. I think there's probably one or No, two there's a time. rumor that Sheldon Richardson is on the block because he's due some decent money. So there's rumors that he might be on the outs. Uh, so defensive tackle then comes becomes a, a big gap that we need to fill because right now we just really have Larry Ogunjobi, um, Sheldon Richardson, and then I forgot his first name, but whatever, Taylor was one of our backup defensive tackles. I think they, they drafted a guy last year, Jordan Phillips, Defensive tackle, he didn't get a lot of playing time, or if he did, I didn't notice, and he wasn't very impactful. So he needs to step it up. Um, 
I know Jordan Phillips was the linebacker. I forgot the tackle's name. We did draft a tackle. I just can't, his name slips my mind. But uh, basically every position on defense, we need a starter quality type player. Uh, offense, we're pretty set. I could see us going after a wide receiver because I think Rashard Higgins is gone. The rumor is the Browns haven't even offered him a contract as of right now. No. Hmm. So I would assume he's gone, and I'm okay with that because from my perspective, I think the Browns, we have enough Rashard Higgins types. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, I think can fill Rashard Higgins' role immediately. I, I think so, personally. Uh, the one thing the Browns really need, in my opinion, is a big body receiver. Obviously, you're not going to get a guy like DK Metcalf because we have too much money invested in the wide receiver. So we're not going to get a guy of that caliber. I'm not I'm not saying DK Metcalf specifically. I just mean a guy like him, where you're spending an early draft pick or a lot of money. I don't think so. So would I love Kenny Galladay? Sure. But we have to get rid of uh, Odell Beckham first before we, we open up that locker room for another wide receiver the with Tampa big Bay, money. Tampa um, Bay uh, franchise, tags, um, franchise tag God, um, Godwin. Godwin yet? Yeah, they franchise tag Godwin, okay. and they re-signed uh, Sha- uh, Levante David. So yep. Shaq Barrett is a Still free agent. Yeah. But there are rumors that they're restructuring other people's contracts to open up some cap space because they're really oh. trying to keep Shaq Barrett. Brady, yeah. He would be a guy that I would love on the Browns, Shaq Barrett. He would be a great defensive end opposite Miles Garrett. Um, but really quickly, what I was going to say about wide receivers, I want a nice six foot four and taller type wide receiver. Give me that big body guy, and I don't want a stick. I don't want a lean, like a skinny speed guy. I want a big ass like Des Bryant type physical wide receiver. I think that would really help Baker in the offense. So that's just my wish list for the offense and some O-line depth. Other than that, we're pretty good. Uh, Kyle Rudolph got cut in Minnesota. He's old, hasn't really been productive or healthy in a while. He's a guy that if we end up getting rid of David Njoku, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate signing to be our third tight end. Kind of be a locker room presence to coach up Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant. I think Harrison Bryant would really be benefited by a guy like Kyle Rudolph in the locker room. So quick list of names. Some guys, I, I don't expect the Browns to make a huge splash in free agency. I think they're going to really stick with the analytics. I think with our cap space, we do have a lot of money to spend currently, but that's going to come to an end soon because you do have to pay Denzel Ward. You do have to pay Kareem Hunt, or uh, I'm sorry, Nick Chubb. You do have to pay, you you might have to pay Baker Mayfield uh, <laughs> within the next year too. Um, you backpedal motherfucker so, on that one. So there is some money that needs to be spent. So the Browns are going to be smart. Uh, again, we're very analytically driven. I think they're going to stick to that. You're going to see a lot of what they did last year. Some veterans with one to two year contracts, pretty cheap guys that you have to kind of Google to see who the fuck is he. And then you, they, you end up realizing like they're pretty productive players. They're just guys that come in and do their job. Like Andrew Sandejo wasn't by far was not one of the better players on the field. Went out there and gave 110% every play. That's what the Browns are going to go after. In my opinion, veterans that give their all. So cheap, or not even veterans, just cheap guys that give the 100%. So one of the names you see is a guy like Anthony Harris, who's a free agent out of Minnesota. Obviously, the connection between Stefanski is there. We do need a safety. Makes sense. Plenty of corners going to be available. Uh, there's a guy, uh, what's his name? John Johnson, uh, uh, St. Lu- not St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams. Safety, now a free agent, would be great for the Browns, but he might not come too cheap. That's my worry with him. Uh Guy like Mike Hilton is a free agent at corner, so there's definitely some Justin guys Simmons, out there. They didn't resign him, did they? No, Simmons has been tagged. Oh, has he? Yeah, okay. Broncos tagged him, so he's out of the picture. Um, but again, he's a guy that Simmons was going to cost a ton of money. Sure. I'm thinking the Browns are going to be going really cheap. We're not going to make a huge splash. Browns fans aren't going to like that because we're so used to sucking. You get Carl Larson too. To where, uh-huh. yeah, he got he's he said that right now it looks like Cincinnati is actually the favorite to bring him back. They're going to really? restructure the contract. Interesting. But he also said he is going to listen to offers, so you never know. Um, but I think Browns fans are so caught up in, in the shitty 
teams that we've had in the years past where free agency was such a big deal. We were okay with sign the top guy on the list because fuck it, we're the Browns, we suck. Like when we got, uh, what's his name, uh, Kruger, Paul Kruger, like that was a horrible signing. He sucked when he was here, but at the time he was the number one free agent. Browns fans went fucking we were psyched. Browns fans were fucking ecstatic that we got him, but he sucked. It wasn't a very good signing at the end of the day, but because we were so bad, the only way to get players like that in was to overpay. Now I don't think we're really in that predicament anymore. So now it's going to be we can kind of force, a, not force, but we can kind of get a player to sign for relatively reasonable money that's not going to screw the cap. And they're going to come here and they're going to try because we're no longer a team that you're only signing with to get a paycheck. We're a team you're signing with to possibly contend for a playoff spot, you know, or, you know, hopefully Super Bowl. But you guys know where I stand on, on my thoughts of Baker Mayfield and him ever being a Super Bowl quarterback. It's coming. He, he I could, know. He that's could prove me think. wrong. The only thing coming is Baker in a car behind a cheesecake factory. That's about it. Um, he didn't come in a car. It came in my mouth. <laughs> well, he was in the car still. I'm talking, I'm talking about the vessel that got why, him there. Why are we talking about leaking? <laughs> he didn't leak. He, 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 he shot, exploded shot from guy. what I heard. Um, um, I was going to say, though, I, I agree with you. I think that they should sign. I think they're going to sign one or two people in yeah. free agency. And probably a, a decent name. They'll sign name. quite a few, but I think it's going to be a lot like of like. A decent name is what I'm saying. So yeah. they'll probably go after, like you said. I think Anthony Harris is probably on a radar for them. Yeah. Larson's probably a good person on the radar. There's another, someone else. It's another defensive end, defensive end that's out there right now that I've heard rumors. I can't put the name on it right now though. But uh, one of them I saw was Tack McKinney. He was the one. He was Possibly, a, he was yeah. a first round pick from Atlanta. They had a lot of bad blood. His uh his his four years were done. He was a first round pick, so we had a fifth year option. Atlanta was pretty open about saying we're not picking up his fifth year option because he wasn't very good. So he started talking a bunch of shit. Atlanta cut him or waived him, I should say. And the Browns put in a uh, claim. They tried to claim him on waivers, but because we were pretty decent last year, we didn't have priority. So he went to, I think, San Francisco, where he then failed a physical. So he was then waived again. Browns put in another claim for him, and uh, the Las Vegas Raiders claimed him and got him, where he went and played for them, and I don't even think he touched the field. But now he's an official free agent, and the Browns showed a lot of interest in him last year on the waivers. Yeah. So maybe they go after him for a cheap yeah. contract and we'll see what happens. Cause we did just cut Claiborne. So he would fit. Um, but it's just all about, can he come here and be coached up and actually be a decent player? Right. I agree. And I think that, you know, you sign, you, you fill your defensive needs, what you can yeah. in, in free agency. Then you, you have the 26th pick in the yes. draft, right? Yes. Then you can sign someone at 26 that you think yep. might help you, but who knows what's going to be available at 26. I mean, you might go for a wide receiver at 26. Yeah. I mean, within... Justin, Justin, what's his job? Tom, Tom Jefferson Jefferson was signed 22 last year and yeah, he turned yeah. into a pro bowl wide receiver this year. Yeah. So you, it, it depends, but I agree. I mean, defense needs to be fixed, but a couple tweaks, they don't have to overhaul it. Just a couple yeah. tweaks. And the other thing okay. too is with free agency starting on the 17th, uh, in just a few days here, uh, I think Browns fans are going to really overreact when the Browns don't make a ton of moves and don't fill every hole on day one of free agency, because a lot of Browns fans kind of forget there's a draft coming up. There are seven picks coming up. A lot of NFL teams also Really, really, really like undrafted free agents. A lot of teams also like to sign guys right after the last cut of the season in in like September and or uh, August, and they'll sign guys that got released. So a lot of Browns fans need to like you know have some patience, trust the process of. Remember, this. it's a marathon, not a sprint. One hundred percent. So, like that happened last year. If you look at the if the defense going into the uh, like training camp and shit. It wasn't that great. We didn't have a lot of these guys. Then we get a guy like Malcolm Smith like two weeks before the season starts. Turns out to be our starting linebacker that played every single game and played very well. So just have some patience. Again, they're not going to fill every hole by 9 p.m. 
Wednesday night at free agency, which Browns fans probably want. There is a draft where a lot of Browns fans only focus on the first round. You can get solid talent in later draft draft rounds if you have an intelligent front office, which I hope we have. So just because in the first round, maybe we take a guy at a position where you're like, why the fuck would we do that? Like maybe we take a defensive tackle and you're like, that's not even one of our biggest needs. Why would they do that? It could just be a value thing. They, they have a plan in the second round to get a defensive end that they think is going to be an every snap, every day player, great player. You know what I mean? Have some patience. Every round counts. Tons of draft picks, uh, an offseason with with cuts and veterans getting released, undrafted free agents, guys you may have never heard of. Um, I remember last year there was an undrafted free agent who we still have. He didn't do much, but he's a developmental kind of guy. His name is A.J. Green, not the one from Cincinnati. He's a defensive back. Um but he went undrafted last year. He was kind of looked at as a decent player that could have gone in like the sixth or seventh round. And from what my understanding was, he was very sought after as an undrafted free agent. He was one of the top guys that teams were going after, and the Browns got him. He's on our practice squad. You never know. Maybe he gets called up, and he was coached up well enough next last year that he'll be a starter this year or a contributor. So... You know, think about things like that. There are a lot more that go on. There's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes of football teams and, and, and like developing teams and talent than than meets than the naked eye can see. So have some patience, have some yep. faith. Uh, Andrew Barry, to me, I was skeptical, as you guys all well know. It's very well documented. He he was fucking awful the first time he was here. But was that him or was that Sashi Brown? I'd like to think it was Sashi Brown because I'm happy with what Andrew Barry did last year, and I hope the trend continues upward this year. Yeah, well, free agency starts, what, the 17th, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. So it's going to be very interesting. This Technically, week. it starts, I think, the the, the, the tampering, tampering starts Monday. Monday. So we'll start hearing about guys that are basically already reaching agreements with teams as soon as, you know, almost 48 a, hours from a, now. An so. agreement and stuff, yeah. yeah. Which is amazing that a t- an agent and a team can come up with an entire contract within seconds. It's just amazing how that tampering works when that window opens. Well, it's amazing. They can legally talk about it. Yeah, now. it's amazing how yeah. that works. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. And the draft's, what, April 29th, I think, right? Something yeah, it's the last weekend of April. So, I mean, we have a lot of time between then and the draft to go and obviously scouting the college. But, I mean, I, I honestly think you don't need an overhaul. Tweak the defense, add some, some one or two players. Yep. And those one or two players will get you those one or two extra stops you need yep. on defense, which will turn into a one, maybe two, two, new, two more wins. And you, you're right there. And one of the keys in, in, in sports and in just in life in general, I think you could see this in, in movies, documentaries, whatever. Um, maybe a guy that you get in like the fifth round that has that chip on his shoulder that thinks I should have been taken on day one, you know, first round pick. I'll prove these motherfuckers wrong. You get a guy with a chip on his shoulder. They come in and they play their asses off and they turn out to be stud players. Look at a guy like Richard Sherman, I think was like a fourth or fifth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Turned out to be one of the best cornerbacks in NFL history. Because he just worked his ass off, and he just came in and was like, "Fuck you! I'll show everybody that I deserve to be a better player." And I haven't heard that name in a while. Is he still out there? Right? I mean, he's, he's a free agent. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's a guy that he's a guy I could see the Browns going after if he's if he's willing to come here for a one or two year deal, pretty team reasonable. Um, because again, understand that he's not the Richard Sherman of old. He's he's aged. He's got some some miles on him. He excuse me, has some issues staying healthy. So he's a guy that the Browns could go after, and I think he would be a great veteran to come in and kind of help coach up Greedy, help coach up Denzel Ward, and just to be on the field as a nice presence. Imagine you're a quarterback and you're looking out there and you have Denzel covering this receiver, Greedy Williams covering this receiver, and then Richard Sherman covering this guy. You're kind of like, oh, shit. That's a nice little package to have out there. Again, he's like 30-something, which in the NFL basically makes him a senior citizen. But, uh, you know, it'd be a great signing and a great addition. Uh, I think those are the kind of guys the Browns are going to go after. Old, 
cheap one to two year deals, nothing too crazy. They're not going to spend a ton of money because they're going to be smart analytics and, and build the, the draft like they always do. Yep, that's the name of the game, analytics. Yeah, I'm curious see what happens. So uh, I think that's good. We're a little over an hour forty. I think we've uh, we've done a great job. This is a long episode. I'm gonna need to break this up into a two parter for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless somebody has a long road trip coming up, you can listen to this whole thing. I think it was time well spent. No, absolutely. I mean, it has been a while since we recorded last. There was a lot to catch up on, and then obviously having a special thing with like the the, the wrestling talk. We don't do that often, so it was nice to have a little Got a nice change ex- of pace, light, long extended episode. You know, for yeah, whenever you drop it, it's a nice bonus nice. episode. Oh, it's dropping in like twenty minutes. Oh Jesus. <laughs> This thing's coming out faster than a Mickey Calloway dick pic. I'm, it's going right on the internet. Call back. Got a quick draw. Call back. That's what happens. Dick pic Mick, everybody. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us, I think. Everybody good? Yeah. All I'm right. Good. We'll talk to you later.